Welcome back to How Good Was It, where we review the movies of our past to see how they hold up in this, our modern times. Shit, I'm just going to go into intro straight away. What is up, Scott? Man? Hey, what's happening, dude? And hello to you, Dana. What is up, bro? You looking at me? You looking at me, too? <laughs> uh, you just let the cat out of the bag, didn't you, bro? <laughs> I didn't know what you're talking about. No, I appreciate it. Yes, we are back into our random thing where one of us picks a movie on any given week. And this week, it was my turn. And, of course, I have to get this out of my system. We did a big Tim Burton thing last month. And I was just listening to the Ed Wood episode. It debuted on our time this morning. But for you, the listener, it'll be like in their past. But my God, I can't get that damn Tim Burton out of my brain. So I wanted to pick a movie that was as detached from the man as possible. And I went way back into film history at least for us it's way back and especially yes. for dana <laughs> hell yeah before dana was hell born yeah. for sure yes <laughs> oh hell yeah <laughs> uh, and uh dana let it out you're looking at me of course what movie is that from it is the famed taxi driver the taxi driver is looking for a target getting ready getting organized preparing himself for the only moment in his life that will ever mean anything. How much for everything? 350 for the Magnum, 250 for the 38, one and a quarter for the 25, 150 for the 380. That taxi driver's been staring at us. You talking to me? You talking to me? I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You talking to me? Then who the hell else are you talking to? Talking to me? Well, I'm the only one here. I don't believe I've ever met anyone quite like you. Oh, yeah? You will never see a more chilling performance than this. Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver. Jodie Foster. Albert Brooks. Harvey Keitel. Leonard Harris, Peter Boyle, Sybil Shepherd, Taxi Driver. Before we get into this week's episode, I'd like to give our audience a little reminder of what we do here at How Good Was It? Each episode is broken up into two halves. The first half is all about our recollection from memory of the movie. We then pause, we watch the movie, and we come back to go over how much we got wrong, how much we got right, and most importantly, does the movie still hold up? Is it as good or as bad as we remember it to be? With that, let's get into this week's movie. So let's just get into it so we can get Ooh. that Burton guy out of yeah. our bloodstream and go forth into another movie that Dana will probably hate. Uh, so you, you went for such a nice light movie for the palate cleanser here. This uh, I, what I remember this movie. What I remember is as dark as they come. I mean, this yes. is honestly maybe one of the darkest movies I, I've ever seen. You know, the the subject matter uh, is is just insane. 
I, I wonder why you chose this movie, Jude. I'm wondering myself right now. But I think, again, I wanted to get as far detached from what we did last month. And not that it was a bad thing. It was just, you know, concentrating on one type of filmmaker or film or subject matter, it gets a little much, right? So I just wanted to do something just out of left field. I said, let me dip into the 70s because we rarely dip into the 70s. We kind of stick to the 80s, going into the 90s. And we have done a few movies from that era. Maybe, well, I think we did The Exorcist, maybe one. Exorcist and Alien. Yeah. Yeah, Alien. I I think that's about it for the 70s. So I was like, well, let's, you know, there's a rich film history there that decade. A lot of changes in Hollywood. Um, And I would say this movie was probably a big part of that. Um, This is a heavy movie. (laughs) <laughs> to say the least. Dana, have you ever watched this movie? Dude, I when you <laughs> first brought this movie up, like <laughs> I remember I was asking you so many questions because I was just like I, I it's like I, I think I remember more parodies of this movie than versus watching this movie. Um, but I if I watched it, there's no way I remember it. I, I think it's one of those movies that like you know, Raging Bull. Like it's like they're very very famous, but it's like maybe they're on in the background if it's just like an HBO or whatever. But it's not mm. something where I sat and concentrated on. Um, I mean, I had to sit and look and like who the hell's in it. And when I saw Silver Shepherd, I was just like, I mean, when I think about Silver Shepherd in movies, it's another movie that she was in. I think is it the Last Picture Show? Like yes. another one, oh, which yeah. is a classic like, one. Yes. Yeah, it's the same deal where it's like. I have heard these classics and I think they've just been on TV, but I couldn't tell you the plot of them at all. I, I think I just remember a lot of just hilarious parodies of, of these, which is Taxi Driver has that famous one, but I couldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. It's Zilch, not a new show. <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> like just nothing. Hey, translation, Dana's going to fucking hate this movie. Uh, <laughs> we we have a track record going with Dana. Dana, God bless him for being part of this bunch. I don't know how he's still here putting up with our crazy-ass movie choices, but here he is and I've thrown another one at you and I hope... Well, I don't even know if I'm going to freaking like it at this point. I haven't seen it in so long. Scott, when was the last time you saw this movie? I would say probably the early 90s. I think... Um... Oh. I think my first Scorsese film, by the way, yeah, Martin Scorsese directed this. Uh, my he first did. Scorsese film was probably Goodfellas. And then I went on a Scorsese run where I watched this. I watched uh, um, the one we just talked about, the, the boxing one. Uh, Raging, Raging Bull. Bull. Raging Bull. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Last Temptation of Christ. I, you know, I, I went through Mean Streets. I went through like a lot of them because I was a, a big fan. Mm-hmm. And um this may be the one I like the least, if I remember. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, that, okay. It's just a, it's it is not because it's not a good movie. It's a good movie. It's just a super dark movie. I mean, it deals with child prostitution. It uh, a, a psychopath and in, in uh in De Niro. If what I remember, it's very well made, very well acted. It's just it's bleak and. Uh, <laughs> That, we picked the doozy this week man or i did um so we still have time to change our minds if you <laughs> this hasn't gone on the air no yet. no this is this uh, is a good one you know what i i do remember about seeing this movie was that harvey Keitel's in the movie and i oh. and at that time i'd seen this 
I think I'd already the first movie I'd ever seen Harvey Keitel in was Reservoir Dogs. I, I wasn't mm. familiar with him as an actor, and he plays an outrageous pimp in this movie. He's got like he's got the pimp outfit, he's got the long hair, and it's uh it's oh, a it's a it. big departure <laughs> from uh, Harvey Keitel uh, in the '90s. If there's any reason to watch this movie, whether you like it or not, whatever your opinion may be on this film, it's worth it just to see Harvey Keitel play a pimp. <laughs> okay, because it's funny as shit. The way he's dressed, his old demeanor. I think he has like a hat with like a feather in it or something. Like yeah. one of those, like yeah, like an Indiana Jones kind of hat. But like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's great. <laughs> Data's already like shit. Snoop Dogg, like <laughs> now later Gators. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no. Who, man. Who's he a pimp? Who's he a pimp to? Because I know he wasn't I, a pimp. I Jody Foster. Oh, so Jody Foster is yeah, the. Okay, she plays okay, like a fourteen-year-old okay. prostitute in this movie. She well, plays, you know, she's young in this. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Let, well, let's get into the cast. Of course, the big star. It was a big star vehicle for for De Niro, Rob, yeah. Bobby De Niro. But he was um, already an established actor. This is after yes. Godfather Two. Uh, you know, this is he was he was already a big deal at this point. But yeah, this yeah. is I. I don't think is he in Mean Streets. I don't think this Godfather is his first two? This, movie. Is with... after Godfather Two? Yeah, this after no, Godfather. I, guess, I want to say I this movie's like sense. maybe 77, 78, I think somewhere around. No, this is before no, no. Raging Bull. I, is it I earlier think, than that? I think it's actually early 70s. I really? think it I came out. Yeah. Okay. I could be wrong, but shit, don't listen to me. Don't you guys know? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I get everything wrong on this podcast. I think Dana may know the answer to this because Dana, didn't you rent this already, but you didn't watch it yet. You, got, <laughs> you were confused so about the assignment. But yeah, so literally all I did was I rented it and then I like I saw like the starring names, yeah. <laughs> like which I forgot Jodie Foster already, which is pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that was pretty much it. That's about as far as I got. So I didn't even look at anything extra. I didn't, I didn't read the, uh, you know, like how it normally has like a quick synopsis or whatever. I didn't even read yeah. that. I was like, hey, I'm just about to watch this. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, yeah, I think no, we got dude. the main characters. I, I don't know if yeah. I remember. I think Peter Boyle's in this also. Uh, he I, might be. Like, I, I don't recall yeah. if he is. If he is, yeah. I don't know what he's playing. But yeah, those are the three main protagonists. You have Robert De Niro, Sybil Shepard, and Jodie Foster. And and basically, I mean, as far as the subject matter, the premise of the film, it's 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 a simple premise, but maybe not. <laughs> It's basically we we watch the decline of this person. Uh, Bobby De Niro plays a man. I forgot his name. Try is it Bickle? Travis Bickle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was close. Oh, wow. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Parodies always have that name in there too. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he he plays well, like the name of the movie implies. He he plays a cab driver, and you know, as a cab driver driving in New York City especially in the night shift, you know, at the time, New York city was, uh, whoa, <laughs> New York city was a place, man. It was quite the scene and it was pretty grimy. And, uh, this movie shows that <laughs> in full effect, uh, we're seeing New York through the eyes of this character, but we're also witnessing his mind state is changing and it's not changing for the better. It really goes by the wayside once, he meets, I believe, uh, Jodie Foster's character. And Jodie Foster is a young, like a preteen. <laughs> it's like a tween hooker, man. It's it's crazy. Uh, the more I'm talking about this movie, the more I'm wondering, should we be doing this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a reason. You. 
Yeah. Are you registered, June? Are you, like, uh, are you allowed in front of playgrounds? Like, uh, just asking, just asking for a friend. That friend being twelve-year-old Jodie Foster. They don't I, have to know. <laughs> I think this is a reason why this movie is not like I've never. I I guarantee you, I rented this at Blockbuster. This I never saw this on cable. There's a reason because it's so dark that people talk about it and they mention it, but. It's not a movie that I hear celebrated or that, you know, it goes, you know, I, I just think it's such a dark subject matter that people just try to steer clear of this movie in general. He's a Vietnam vet, isn't he? Or like, right? Isn't he like a I don't vet remember. Of, of I whatever. don't recall, but that would... <clears throat> that isn't would that part like... of it? No? Okay. Yeah, because obviously I remember I, I remember a lot about like, you know, that, that iconic scene. I, I think the Mohawk... Yeah, and I want to say he had like a jacket on. So like I thought part of it green was, like, army was... kind of jacket, yeah. sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just remember him being kind of a loser. Just kind of sympathy. You know, in a way that movie, if you saw the new Joker movie that came out a few years ago with Oh uh, yes, for sure. Phoenix, it pretty much ripped it off. You know, it's oh, yeah. the same kind of thing. A guy that was kind of picked on everyone thought was stupid and you know, they kind of made fun of him and then he just snaps in a way. And I think that's kind of Kind of what this movie. I is. mean, funny enough, Robert De Niro is in that movie, so yes, he is. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a probably is an homage. So mm-hmm. that is pretty nuts. I, I, but. I definitely see direct influences in the Joker movie from Taxi Driver, and um, also a movie I did not enjoy. I didn't enjoy the Joker. I really, didn't appreciate you the acting. I just thought it was like. Uh, well it was another bleak ass movie as per taxi driver though i I think okay from what i recall i i don't remember a lot of this movie but there are of course key scenes and like dana mentioned before there are scenes certain scenes you know you talking to me that have been parodied to death and it's part of the you know pop culture landscape so to speak right but um the character himself from what i remember I remember sympathizing with the character at first, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because he's witnessing all this foul shit go down while he's doing his job as a cab driver, driving the streets of New York City at night, right? And he's seeing the underbelly, right, of, of New York. And, and But as we see how it affects him, by, by the ending, it's like you're like, I can't feel sorry for this guy. <laughs> and like yeah. the shit he gets himself into, it's like... Uh, because if I remember correctly, um, where Sybil Shepherd comes in, she's working uh, for some type of she's it's a political thing. She's working for a politician who's running for some kind of office. And I think that's how he meets her. He sees her and he just gets taken by her and, and he has to meet her and he makes his way. And it starts out innocently enough. Like, like, I recall that there was a date. You know that they went on, and he takes her to a a porn movie. Oh, really? See, I don't even remember that. I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, oh, Civil Shepherd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. She was like, "This is where you're bringing me on your first, our first date." Like, like, but but she went. She like she took an interest in him, and she went with it. She was like, "Okay, whatever." I guess it was the seventies. Anything goes. Works for oh. me. Hey, I do it all the time. It always works. I mean, if he's gonna open up the door and pay for the bill, I mean, he's a gentleman. Like, <laughs> I guess that's one way to view it. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, I, and that to me was like the first signifier that, yeah, this man's not well, and it's just not getting any better for him. So by the ending, which I do recall pretty vividly, the ending. Yeah, it's a, it's it's not the kind of thing where you're like, 
whoa, I feel sorry for this guy. I wish, you know, things would have turned out yeah. differently for him. Yeah, it's it's pretty Yeah, crazy. he kind of wants to protect Jody Foster too. That's part of the thing is, you know, he he's he's in his mind, he thinks he's protecting her, but he's mm -hmm. also menacing her at the same time. And it's yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. Did Jodie Foster win an Academy Award for this role? No, but I believe she was nominated. Weird. That woman has had quite a career. Didn't win. No, no, no. Uh, he didn't <laughs> yeah. win until The Departed, right? That's the first time. Exactly. He, yeah. We he never he won anything. Which was yeah. to me not not his best film. I mean, I, I would think Goodfellas, one of those, is better than than Departed. Yeah, Departed was great, but I mean, but you, you know, yeah, not his best film. I don't no, think it's no. still a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, again, this is a Martin Scorsese film. So, I mean, right before before this, what did he have? I think it was Mean Streets, maybe. Mean Streets. Yeah, I'm sure there's got to yeah. be something else in, in yeah. there. But, but um, wow. Yeah, I'm curious what, what year this came out now. I believe it was early 70s. I'm pretty hmm. sure. But whether it was before uh, things like The Godfather or after that, hmm. I do not recall. But I think it was early, early to mid 70s, mid 70s, the latest. Uh, watch me be wrong as fuck. <laughs> As part of the course for this podcast. Uh, what else do we remember about Taxi Driver before we run to watch this movie? Not me. I don't remember anything else. Dana. I mean, please. I, I don't know if it's a, a hit. don't know if it's a flop. I just know that uh, it's just remembered in American history. So I, I'm excited to watch to see is it really good history or just did June fucking screw me over again. So. I'm but at least say, June and I aren't saying we love this film. You know, nor, yeah. normally when we say fair. we love a film, you 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 automatically <laughs> hate it. So you'll probably like this film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make a prediction as per our critiques for the second half of this episode. I got the feeling none of us are gonna like this film. <laughs> oh, yeah, good selection, oh, wow. then, June. <laughs> I strongly feel I that way, but but maybe for different reasons. And I think Dana's going to hate it the most. <laughs> well, that sounds about right. That's part of the course. <laughs> All right, then, man. Let's, let's go watch let's this flick, man. Taxi Driver, stay tuned, folks. Or don't stay tuned. Just return for the second half. You can stay tuned if you want to. You can do whatever the hell you want. But please follow, like, subscribe. Catch us on YouTube. Hit the notifications. Do all that stuff that all those other YouTube channels tell you to do. Do that for us as well. And we shall be back with plot synopsis, critique, and everything else that goes along with it for Taxi Driver. So make sure you return. Ah, uh, oh, Dana. Oh, Dana. Get ready. All right. Say bye, guys. See ya. See ya. Sit tight. We'll be right back with How Good Was It? Do you have memories about this week's film that you'd like to share with us? Hit us up at How Good Was It Pod for X, formerly known as Twitter, at HGWI Pod. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel where you'll find video promos for each and every episode. Welcome back to How Good Was It, where we review the movies of our past. And you, the listeners, should know this. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please know that this is the second half to our Taxi Driver Retro Review. Meaning there is a first half. If you want the entire episode, 
you must log on to either our RSS feed, where you'll find everything we've done archived, as well as your favorite streaming platforms. Um, I'm not going to list them because when I list them, people start making fun of me. So, <laughs> but if you look on your favorite streaming platform, we should be there. Um, that is the only way to get the first half of this episode as well as our critiques at the end. But with that, let me intro this fine crew of mine. Hello, Scott. Wait a minute. We were watching Taxi Driver? I, I was watching Taxi with Jimmy Fallon and Queen Latifah. That's not the movie we were watching this We week? can review that if you want to. <laughs> I have no problems with that. Oh, no. Uh, welcome back, Jim. <laughs> What's up, Dana? I actually was watching the taxi, like the television show. Like I was mm. Danny DeVito. Like, yeah. I, I, now I'm just confused what we were supposed to watch. So, so I mean, yeah. But yeah, welcome, June. <laughs> <laughs> For you, the listener, this should give you an indication of where this retro review of Taxi Driver is going to go. Because, because we've already mentioned two things that we probably would have rather have reviewed. Um, but you know what? Let's save that for our critiques at the end. And let's dive into this movie, Taxi Driver. This was my choice. So if anyone's, if there's anyone to blame, it's me. <laughs> and it was a departure from the lighter fare of last month. I'm not going to mention it again. But I did want to try something a little different. Wanted, <laughs> wanted to dip into, a, you know, into a, another time period, the 70s. But... Uh, succeeded. Uh, whoa. Deep into the 70s. Man. This is a I, 70s, 70s movie for sure. This was a movie of its time for sure, man. But you know what? Let, let's start out with how we usually start out. The Wizard Scott himself. The man of the facts and the figures. Hit us with what you've got, man. Hit us. All right. So in the first half of the episode, we couldn't determine what year this was in. This was made in 1976, or it came out in 1976. So so I was way off because I thought it was uh, early 70s. Yeah, I mean, you said early to mid, and then I thought it was a little Mm -hmm. bit later in the 70s. And yeah, you know, Dana wasn't born yet. We weren't listening to whatever he was saying. So it doesn't matter. Vietnam War probably would have sparked (laughs) it in my head, but yeah, Yeah. I I know American history. I'm not good at it. I don't. So that explains. (laughs) But 76, this was actually. After uh, De Niro did Godfather, Godfather 2 came out in 74, I believe. But Hmm. uh, when he was filming this movie, Godfather 2 hadn't, well, when he was preparing for this movie, hadn't been released yet. So he wasn't really, that was a movie that kind of made him a known actor. So he drove a taxi in New York for one month to prepare, worked like 12-hour shifts. And he he said only one person recognized him the entire time he was uh, picking up fares every day. He, you know, De Niro is insane, right? He's a method actor. When he, when they shot this film, he stayed in character the entire time. Really? He, he was Travis Bickle the entire time. So I don't know how many crew members he murdered during this, but he, uh, he may have murdered a few. <laughs> That's a terrifying thought, man. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, but, but please go on, hit us. Yeah, uh, this uh, film was made for $1.3 million and it uh, grossed $28 million uh, oh, worldwide. Not bad. So, yeah, for that day and age, that's a hit. Uh, Yeah, Scorsese, it was his biggest movie to date. Yeah, he made it. He put himself in it, too. So, yeah, he uh, 
He popped up in, on... in a few scenes. For oh, what he I popped know. up in a really fucked up scene too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't believe he chose himself. For that. I know we'll get to it, but I can't believe he's like, "Hey, you know what? I'll, I'll do that dialogue." Uh, well, I'll play that guy. I, I know what scene you're talking about. <laughs> I um, totally forgot that he was in this. You know, he was in multiple I. scenes. I only yeah. know about the one, but wow, okay, interesting. Yeah, he's I behind Silver Shepherd earlier when she's walking like slow mo to the office. You see him in the yes. background. Yeah, when yeah. we first see Sybil Shepherd in the movie, when yeah. they introduce her, and it's a, yeah, like you just said, it's a slow motion, and in the background, he's sitting on some kind of stoop or, or pedestal thing. Yeah, and it's clearly... which I didn't realize until I read uh, the trivia part. I didn't, I didn't see him when I went in that scene. Funny enough, I, I as many times as I'd watched this movie in the past, I never noticed him in the background. You watch this movie more than one time. I did, yes. <laughs> what, what, um, it's what's been going a while. on, June? <laughs> I, listen, I, I'm convinced I, that June's a murderer in New York. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what he does for a normal living. Well, I am assuming that he's, yeah, he has is this movie. Is this movie a love letter to the city of New York? Is that why you you like it, June? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, when when someone moves or grows up in New York, and you're obligated to watch this movie more than once, um, it's just. It's a part of the vernacular here, man. It's a part of yeah. nothing screams New York or 70s New York like this movie. Uh, I mean, holy shit. Yeah. I, I, I was <laughs> yeah. like, man, like, and, and you know, you you just mentioned the budget for this film, which was over a million. And I was like, yeah. where? They didn't have to do jack shit. But it wasn't Renica. for the actors. De Niro only made $35,000 for this film. Wow. And I think uh, Silver Shepard made the exact same. I think Scorsese only made fifty thousand dollars for this film it was i i guess just to shoot in new york is probably expensive just in general i guess you know, so close park, streets and okay. do stuff park like the that. cameras yeah, <laughs> yeah. they yeah. didn't there was no there was no set needed the cocaine was budget no... was probably pretty high also you, you gotta think of it that <laughs> way. It, was, it was it was harvey Keitel's fedora and wife yes. yeah that blew that it, budget, it's, I guess. it's the pimp budget the, the yes. pimp. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably all the all the people around the filming area and they had to pay them off to keep them offset most what, what they didn't have to pay for is to put on garbage in the streets because this was filmed during a garbage <laughs> strike and that garbage uh, was legit real garbage in the streets now let me tell you i was there and i have very vivid <laughs> memories of this garbage of this garbage strike it was not a pretty time in new york city it was in the middle of summer and as if anyone knows, you guys mm -hmm. living in Florida, you know what humidity is. Hot garbage. Oof. Hot garbage yeah. everywhere. The whole city smelled like ass. It was crazy. And it was like, I believe it lasted around two weeks, maybe, maybe a little yeah. bit more. Oh, what a relief when that thing was over. But yeah, that was part of 70s New York. Man, this movie encapsulates the look and feel of New York in the 70s like no other film I've ever seen. I forgot how much it was or what it was like back in the 70s. Um, this and other movies like The Warriors. But, but you know, while... <laughs> The Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. The, the games is fighting. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, the thing. Warriors, Warriors, Warriors oh. an element of a fantasy even, right? Uh, it was I, very... How have we not done that movie yet? Come on, that's a great movie. We gotta watch well... The Warriors. I, we, we're gonna do it I at some point. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Dana's about to fucking quit, man. <laughs> All right, let's get back to Taxi Driver. Man. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Any other facts and figures you want to hit us with, Scott? Uh, let's see. Uh, it was nominated for Best Picture. It was nominated for Best Actor for De Niro. It was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Jodie Foster. Mm. And Best Score, which I didn't think the score was particularly the score good. Was it was very fucking horrible. Old-fashioned sounding. I'm so confused, yeah. yeah. It was like, <laughs> I think, but, okay, we'll get to that when we get into the plot, because yeah. I have issues with that. All I kept thinking throughout watching this movie is I was like, I don't know about this score, man. I was like, I, yeah, they must have, whoever scored this but, movie just did, okay, let's not get into it. He died shortly after, so maybe, maybe, maybe it killed him, but yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the sound of this movie too was pretty bad as well. Like there would be scenes where like the street noise was so loud you and the yes. conversations were quiet and it's like, I can't hear what De Niro's mumbling about. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if that was for, intentional or not. And maybe he, maybe Scorsese probably. wanted to catch the city vibe, but that was not the way so. to do it. Yeah, <laughs> you were going to say something, Dana. Please share. No, no, I, I just complete agree. It's, it makes me laugh that it's 2024, so obviously we're streaming our movies for the most part. Mm-hmm. I thought I had like a bad video, like. <laughs> <laughs> the score and so the music i was like oh maybe i just got like maybe my movie skipped or something and i was like oh wait a minute i am literally streaming this movie you got a bootleg <laughs> yeah. copy of taxi driver I I just, well, well maybe <laughs> yeah you you got the special yeah, bad record player you got the special yeah. porn theater screening version of, uh, <laughs> of taxi driver well, mine was all in swedish so yeah that doesn't make sense yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right man <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. I guess we could dive into it if you guys want, unless you want to yeah. add anything to that, Scott. Because No, no, I'm good for now. Man, all right. Let's just dive in because I, I think we all have a lot to say about this movie or maybe nothing at all. Let's find out. Um, we'll dive into the plot. And if mm-hmm. you allow, I'll start it off because it's probably the only sure. thing I remember. Um, we start out now, you know, when the credits roll right away, we're getting the mindset or the viewpoint of this main character, who is Travis Bickle, right? As played by Bobby De Niro. I gotta say, I really... (sighs) Okay, you know, again, we're talking about a movie of its time, right? And one of the things that stands out to me about 70s movies, especially about the cinematography of 70s movies, is you had a lot of directors, such as Corsese, who were trying to give different viewpoints, who were trying to do things or give viewpoints that we've never seen before in movies prior, you know? They didn't always succeed. (laughs) But, you know, I got to say, the opening title sequence to this movie does a good job of instantly putting you into the mindset of this character. Because it opens up, the first scene, and it's like this taxi coming out of the fog or smog or just New York pollution. I don't know what it was. But it, it was like a horror movie. It was sort of like the beginning of a horror movie. It puts you in that mindset. Is it was a really wow. kind of weird viewpoint, right? It was like a low point camera angle. And you see this cab in slow motion coming out of the smoke. Um, uh, uh, New York night scene. And then the, the, the name of the movie pops out right behind it. And it's like uh, the next scene, you know, it's, it's Travis Bickle. He's, he's, he's driving and we're getting, they're literally focusing in on his eyes. As he's seeing all these the flashing lights of 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 New York City at night, of course, with all the porn theaters, all the you know, and so I, I'll give it to Scorsese on that. As seventies as it looks, 
well, how else could it look? It was the 70s. But right away, he kind of puts you in that mindset. And it's a very skewed mindset from the word go. And once the title sequence and the credits stop rolling, we get uh, we get Travis uh, Bickle entering a cab company or whatever they call them. I don't know what you call a taxi cab company, so I'm just going to stick with that. But one thing that I, one of the things I did notice was, if you notice, when he, they show him walking in, and it's from his back angle. from We get the viewpoint of his back walking into this building. And the smoke is following him inside. <laughs> the smoke, there's smoke behind him. It's following him inside. And I was like, was that intentional? Was that kind of Scorsese putting, you know, like already mm -hmm. like hinting at things to come? Like, this is a fucked up character. <laughs> this man has issues. We follow him inside and he's trying to get this job at a cab company. Uh, upon first meeting this character, Travis Bickle, he's like a normal schmo. You know, he's like the most normal guy. He has a smile on his face. He's even cracking a few jokes with this guy who he's, who he's applying for a job or he's applying for a job as a cab driver with this guy interviewing him. Um, and so we we meet this character And right away, we're like, okay, this guy's just kind of a normal, everyday Joe. And nothing could be farther from the truth. The guy tells him to come back tomorrow. And we get a scene of Travis Bickle walking down the street. And this is the first hint of this guy's mindset, right? And I think there's something that Scorsese did brilliantly. There, it is a faraway shot of him walking towards the camera. And then it dissolves to a close-up shot of him walking towards the camera. And you get this kind of sense of like something was skipped there. And during the sequence, we see him take, uh, I guess, a flask or a bottle of some kind of liquor, and he starts mm -hmm. taking a swig. This is the middle of the day, yeah. right? It's daytime. I don't know what time it is. Could be morning, could be afternoon. But it is daytime. And I was like, this guy has issues, man. He, it, right away, you get into this mindset And where do we go from here? I'm I'm gonna tag it on to somebody else. I think it's to his apartment, right? He has you get to see the shithole that he lives in. Yes. Uh he's in his apartment. And I think not long he's you're really not there for long. I think they just want you to see his world. Because I he doesn't meet with anybody or talk. There's probably a lot of voiceover. I'm sure there's voiceover in this part of the movie. There's a lot of times where you hear him talking. Yes. And yes. um, yeah, I think next is when he's actually driving the cab where he says that you know he can uh He, he works 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., sometimes sometimes to 8 a.m. He he'll make $300 to $350 a week, uh, which is insane. Which But, is a uh, lot of money for that time, actually. I guess, yeah. It was. Now, yeah. now uh, if I can just rewind a bit to that, uh, that shot of his mm -hmm. apartment when we first get out. So one of the first things we see in his apartment, one of the things you guys alluded to was that he's probably a Vietnam vet. Mm-hmm. And I guess this confirms it. Um, there's a flag. He has a flag of Vietnam hanging uh, like in his closet or something. You get, it's a very quick shot as the camera pans across his room. But I noticed, I was like, wait, that's a flag. And I looked it up and it was a Vietnam flag. So I guess whoever called that out in the first half of this episode, I guess you were on point. But uh, please, Dana. Carry on. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think from there, you know, he's we start seeing him doing his uh, normal normal routine where he picks up you know he's picking up people he works mostly at night he picks up a guy in, with a prostitute uh he's <laughs> just going his day in and day out he 
he says that, uh, you know, when he's dropping off the cab in the morning, his voiceover is saying that, you know, most days he has to clean cum out of the backseat yes. and sometimes blood. And blood. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, so. Put that mixed together. Yeah, he talk, he's basically <laughs> talking about how much he, he hates the city, how disgusting it is. You know, he he has a long, like, little thing where he, like, names, like, all this different th- stuff that he hates. Yeah, you know? one of my, yeah, one I, of my favorite I, lines. I'm sorry, Dana, please go, go. No, 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 go ahead. No, I, I meant to write it down because I really felt like that would have been a an awesome Scott thing. Uh, like, he goes I, through, like, I that was whole... going to write it down, and I'm like, I can't say that. I can't say that. No, never mind. I'm like, I'm not going to write this down. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm thinking, I might be thinking of a dr- different line because I was oh, just no, gonna... he, 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 like, he literally lists, he's like, I hate scuzzes, guzzes. Oh, yes. He says fairies, which of course at the time we know what fairies Uh meant and dopers, but it's just, it was so great. I was like, oh, he's like, he he hates the world. But yeah, yeah, he does. Not only that, but I forgot how fucking racist this movie was. Oh, very racist. Shit. But we'll get oh, into yeah. that as yeah. As Scott, Scott will apologize at the end of, at the end of the episode. It's, fine. <laughs> it's a different time. It's a different time. <laughs> uh, shit, that's no excuse, Scorsese. All the animals come out at night. Whores, skunk pussies, buggers, queens, fairies, dopers, junkies, sick, venal. Someday a real rain will come and wash all the scum off the streets. I go all over. I take people to the Bronx, Brooklyn. I take them to Harlem. I don't care. Don't make no difference to me. It does to some. Some won't even take spooks. Don't make no difference to me. Yeah, I think we see him. He goes to his porn theater. You know, during during the day, he'll just go sit in the porn theater. He uh, he tries to hit on the the cashier there. Yeah, and she basically is like, you know, leave me alone. And he keeps doing it. so. She's like, you want me to call the manager? And he keeps on going. She calls the manager, and then you know he's embarrassed. You know, he's he's basically he's a bit of a loser. This guy, you know, he's a he's a loner. He's having problems sleeping. He is, uh, he doesn't, he's isolated. He has no one really to talk to. He's living a pretty lonely, pathetic life. Yeah. Well, he's, he's has a deep case of loneliness. He's not just a loner. He's loneliness, but it's an isolation that he, he basically, it's a choice. Yeah, it it really is. Um, One of the things that that Scott just mentioned and that stood out to me upon this rewatching is that it's like, there were a lot of little hints indicating that he doesn't have to be living the way he does one of them being how much money he was making yeah you know he was working he i think he said something to the effect he works from eight at night to eight in the morning or something long shifts six days a week sometimes seven and they there's several scenes where they show him pulling out a wad of cash you Mm -hmm. know um 350 dollars a week in the 70s was a lot of fucking money like that's a lot that was that's like you know, close. That's like earning uh, a thousand a week now, which is not bad. It's not wealth or anything, but it's not a bad living. Definitely, it, the, he didn't have to live the way he was living in this really shitty apartment um, in squalor. It was a choice for sure. But uh, let's go on with the plot. Sorry. <laughs> oh, by the way, the cashier who he was hitting on it was De Niro's real life girlfriend. Oh yeah, and really? uh, she she was also in a couple other movies with him. I, he was her his on and off again girlfriend through most of the seventies and into the early eighties. Oh. She was also in King of Comedy with him, and she was in Raging Bull as well. 
Okay. But uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with her as an actress, but I just I read that I, somewhere. He he had the jungle fever early. I mean, I feel like he's uh, <laughs> isn't the wife that he divorced before he had this new baby with this twelve year old. Like, isn't 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 she black too? Like, yeah, I think he dated Naomi Campbell also back in the day. Oh know? really? Uh huh. Well, uh-huh. He knows what he All likes. That brown sugar, get him, De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> so where are we at? Yeah, he's doing his uh, kind of his inner yeah, monologue. This is thing. just his routine. You're seeing, right? Yeah. You're seeing what kind of life he's living. And then he, um, Sybil Shepherd. And then, then he sees Sybil Shepherd, and he, uh, he, it's struck automatically. Sees her walking down the street, sees her going into the campaign thing, and then starts like hanging out outside of the campaign office uh, in, in his cab. We meet Albert Brooks at this time. Albert Brooks plays. I forgot he was in this. I, me too. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is he a love interest to Sybil Shepherd, a friend? I, I don't know. Whoa. I thought they were. I thought it was kind of re- referred when they first talking that they were dating, but I mean, obviously she's, you know. Wow. Well, it's the yeah. 70s. Free love, baby. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, free love, yeah. <laughs> no, well, I, I think, I mean, because, you know, we're going to get on to when De Niro finally dates her, but um, <laughs> I, I think he just mentions that, like, they just don't really have any real chemistry, even though they work together and all that type of stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I don't really think it's super overt, but it's like, one of those deals where he likes her and she doesn't necessarily have the yeah. same feelings. Back, yeah, I mean, so. come on. She was not going to date Albert Brooks. In real life, there's no way that's that's going to happen. You yeah. know, That crow yeah. was terrible, so, bro. I mean, yeah, was, he, she to. was very beautiful in the 70s. She I forgot was, uh, how incredible. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, there was a bit, uh, you know, I, I did question that myself of whether they were actually flirting with each other. Was there an insinuation that they wanted a hookup or something? But yeah. it didn't really go further than that and especially considering that she does end up accepting an uh a date offer from Travis Bickle in front of him (laughs) yeah so that kind of put the nail in that coffin yeah so so he (laughs) this is when uh Mr. Bickle goes into a stalker mode right he starts hanging out in front of the Sybil Shepherd's character works for um a campaign some uh candidate for presidency or something to that effect it's in midtown manhattan and he's outside first of all that that was the fantasy element you can't park in midtown manhattan like that just like for minutes at a time no <laughs> it's not possible not without getting it's a where that million dollar budget came from i guess so just to keep his cab in midtown parked uh she notices that that and she mentions it to albert brooks character that hey, there's this guy in a cab out there staring at me and albert brooks goes out there and basically shoes him away but before mm-hmm. you know and and they did this kind of cleverly where he pulls away before um albert brooks really gets a good look at his face if if any look at all which is i, don't, I wouldn't say important for later but it does it is sort of a, a factor at least in a small a way a bit of a theme you're right yeah, yeah. There's something in there between uh, him going into the campaign office, and I, I don't know if I remember it, and I can't read my notes. It's a bad well, scribble. <laughs> well, a lot of this is basically, we're seeing the viewpoint yeah. of New York from his mind. So a lot of it is just his inner monologue while he's doing his job, right? And you kind of get a tour of New York City at the time, especially that area, which is the Times Square Midtown area where it was pretty damn accurate. I, I I can freely say there wasn't much exaggeration. There might have been maybe a surplus of women of the night, 
in this film. I don't remember it oh, being I... that apparent, <laughs> but it was like that. It was a lot of the unexpected. There were a lot of uh, drug addicts. There was a lot of and yes, people did dress that way. <laughs> there were people walking around look like looking like uh like Harvey Keitel. Wow. <laughs> in this movie with a wife beater and a fedora um there was a lot of that from what i recall but it it was a very accurate depiction of that area of new york especially at night and what but area is that yeah i, I don't that, know where that's it's midtown manhattan so midtown, midtown manhattan is basically uh you could say from the 34th street area where Macy's and all that stuff is mm -hmm. right up until like the fifties where Rockefeller center is and everything in between. And then you have of course, East side and West side. So this concentrated mostly in what was used to be known as the hell's kitchen area of New York, which went from times square, um, the forties and times, uh, times square, which is Broadway. And then it would just go West all the way to the Hudson river. And the closer you got to the river, the seedier it got there were less storefronts there were less it was all basically now warehouse. it's total opposite now now that's oh. all like retail area oh like yeah high-end stuff yeah very high-end real estate now sky was here recently he saw we, we we were down there um and it's all like high-rise condos it's mm -hmm. all very expensive area to live in um you still have a little bit a wee bit of the cd element the closer you get to Times square you still have um some drug activity, whatever, but you're not seeing ladies of the night. You're not seeing that sort of nonsense anymore. And even back then, and I'll I'll cut this short because you can't start me on 17th New York. You should know this by now. But even back then, I got to say, hookers did not hang out in the actual Times Square area where all the theaters like this movie portrayed and many movies portrayed. No, it was too visible. They would, they would, get arrested every five minutes. I knew I'd been looking in the wrong areas. Yes, Damn you it. were. See, I know because I knew where to look. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, they were more towards off Broadway and the further west. It was, um, again, like the west side of Manhattan was really uh, industrial. A lot of warehouses and stuff. And that's where they would uh, apply their trade, so to speak, uh, because it was easier. It was dark. It was, you know, there was a lot of uh, places to hide. Um, pick up Johns to use the vernacular. Oh. Wow. <laughs> um, so a little bit of, you know, New York history for you there. But let's get back to Taxi Driver and the plot. Don't make, yeah. don't let me digress. Yeah, we, we New can, York, we you can can't stop me. Accelerate it some. <laughs> you know, they, uh, there, there's some, for some reason, there's some just really bad dialogue between Albert Brooks and Civil Shepherd where they're just talking in the campaign office about mm -hmm. nonsense. It's like, Scorsese, can you, can you trim this a little bit? I know you like three hour long movies, but. I mean, come on, you know, we, we don't we don't need it. This movie could have been an hour and a half easy and it's a two hour movie. But Bickle eventually goes in and he's going to he's going to do it. He's going to go up to Sybil Shepherd and, you know, basically hit on. He's going to go in as the the guys of wanting to volunteer and yes. Shepherd and Brooks are Albert Brooks are talking. And he walks right over and says he wants to volunteer. Albert Brooks is like, oh, I'll take you over here. He's like, no, I want to volunteer to her. Hi, I'd like to volunteer. Great. I'll take you right over That's here. That's all right. I'd rather volunteer to her if you don't mind. And why do you feel that you have to volunteer to me? Because I think that you are the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Thanks. But what do you think of Palantine? Well, I think... 
Charles Palantine, the man you're volunteering to help elect president. I'm sure he'll make a good president. I don't know exactly what his policies are, but I'm sure he'll make a good one. You want a canvas? Yeah, I'll canvas. How do you feel about the senator's stand on welfare? I don't really know the senator's stand on welfare, but I'm sure it's a good stand. <laughs> you sure that? Yeah. Well, we all work together here full-time, day and night, so if you would just like to step over there, I'm sure that the gentleman well, will I, sign you up. Please, I, I drive a taxi at night, so it's kind of hard for me to, to, um, to work in the day. So, uh... Then what exactly do you want? Would you like to come have some coffee and pie with me? Why? Why? Yeah. I'll tell you why. I think you're a lonely person. I drive by this place a lot. I see you here. I see a lot of people around you. And I see all these phones and all this stuff on your desk. And it means nothing. And then when I came inside and I met you, I saw in your eyes and I saw the way you carried yourself that you're not a happy person. And I think you need something. And if you want to call it a friend, you can call it a friend. You're going to be my friend? Yeah. He is just coming on to her the best he can, saying he wants to volunteer. He doesn't know anything about politics, doesn't know anything about the candidates, a candidate who's running for president and knows nothing about it. And he's just like, hey, well, how about if you just go have a cup of coffee with me? Okay, yeah. there's a coffee shop around the door. When's your break? Let's go. Let's go. You can you can tell me more about this. You can tell me more about volunteering. You know, I, I think there's a connection between the two of us. I, I have to say, Oh, Bobby De Niro was quite charming in his burgundy velvet sports jacket. Yes. yes. <laughs> so how could she how could she possibly resist? Yes, yes. Um, yeah. So they have this uh basically lunch date. It's it's for me, of course, again, I have to go as a New Yorker, it's fascinating to see how much New York has changed since then. So I'll recognize these little spots and we're like, oh wait, that used to be this and that used to be that. Anyway, who cares? You know, it's funny because with this Travis Bickle character. You know, again, these are these there are these moments where he comes across as just a normal Joe. And like I just said, even quite charming. And while they're having this little luncheon thing, he was just that he was actually quite charming. I think he's a he's a bit of a weirdo. I mean, she's like trying to tell him that, you know, he's a contradiction. She's trying to describe like this Chris Christopherson song to him. And he he's taking a little bit of offense to it. You know, he. He's trying, he was like, yo, I'm contradicting. I'm this, you know, and she's just like, chill, you know, you, you got a good vibe going with her. Why, well, why are you acting like a weirdo De Niro? He, he, well, it's De Niro. That's what uh -huh. he does best. But um, I think it was more, the, the, the comment she made was uh, uh, something to the effect of uh, something about being a hustler or something. Yeah. A hustler and, and a contradiction, a walking contradiction. And he, He's like, I'm not a hustler. I'm not a hustler. Yeah, that's the part he took well, offense to. He's like, what do you, what do you mean hustler? It, it, it's, it's an old saying, even though he used it in the song, but it's like you're a preacher or a hustler. Like basically somebody's mm -hmm. trying to sell you something. Mm -hmm. So like, I think we've all heard some form of that, but that's basically what it is because that's how strong, you know, he's laid it on pretty thick about just selling himself of why he's, you know, why he's better than Albert Brooks or, you know, why, yeah. you know, she mm. needs to, shake it up in his life so so yeah she brings up that thing and, and that's something i you know you hear somebody selling it really hard you're just like okay either you're a, either you're a pimp or a preacher but yeah she basically said it in 70s terms you're a hustler or a pastor or something like that mm -hmm. so it, it was essentially that so 
but I, I think it just goes to show you, I, I was trying to think of the words when you guys were describing him. He's just really, he's really antisocial and he doesn't really know how to socialize. I think that's just really at the end of the day. He's, he's awkward what we for find sure. Out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, cause it's like these, like you said, these are normal interactions. Like she's just trying to have conversation with them and he's, you know, his cackles are up and, you know, it, it's just like, he doesn't seem to get normal things. I think even at the very beginning, when he goes to apply for the job, and, right. you know, he's explaining how he was a Marine to the other guy. Like the guy was just, the guy was just kind of just confused about just, dude, what do you want? Like you, you want a job, you want to work <laughs> the midnight? Like why? Like, mm-hmm. you know, he, he just couldn't really explain himself, but you know, it, it starts to make more sense that like, yeah, this guy, he's, he's, he's not for society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to agree with you guys on that point. I used the the term charming, and that was definitely the wrong term. It's not. It's not. It wasn't charm. <laughs> what well, June finds charming is different than what we find charming. Well, that, well I, you know, it's one of those deals where, at least Civil Shepherd's character, she's just like mesmerized by the difference, and mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like most people. Like you're right. It's it's riding in in a white horse as a knight instead he's just kind of flat out just being super crazy direct with her and she's like mm. i'm super intrigued so mm-hmm. i mean to your point she was charmed the rest of us were just like what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. well, well <laughs> like, we it was definitely an indicator of things to come right and, and that there's something off about this person so so yeah he did definitely he came on strong just like you said dana and like like I said, he was rather awkward. And I think she found that, I guess, intriguing enough to accept a date offer from him. And <laughs> what a date it is. So <laughs> let we could just skip to the well, date. Well, no, we got a little bit in between there. We got a couple okay. other big scenes. So uh, oh, wait a did, minute. When he, he meets Jodie Foster for the first time. Well, yeah, that that yeah. too. But also he meets a presidential candidate. He's, yeah. He picks David him up Palatine. in the cab. Yeah. Valentine yes. in the cab. And he, you know, right away he starts into his, oh, I'm a big fan of yours. You know, I don't really follow politics, but I'm a big fan of yours. I tell everyone to vote for you. And then the guy, you know, Palantine asks him, you know, well, what was the one thing you would do if uh, if you were president? Oh, and boy. then he just rambles on about how they clean up this fucking, sh- this dirty city, this this sewer, this blah, 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 rambling on about That's how you have to clean up the sewer. Are you Charles Palantine, a candidate? Yes, I am. I'm one of your biggest supporters, you know. I tell everybody that comes in this taxi that they have to vote for you. Why, thank you. Travis? I'm sure you're going to win, sir. Everybody I know is going to vote for you. You know, in fact, I was going to put one of your stickers in my taxi, but, you know, the company said it was against their policy, but they don't know anything, you know? They're a bunch of jerks. Let me tell you something. I have learned more about America from riding in taxi cabs than in all the limos in the country. Oh, yeah? That's true. Can I ask you something, Travis? Sure. What is the one thing about this country that bugs you the most? Well, I don't know. You know, I don't follow political issues that closely, sir. I don't know. Oh, well, there must be something. Well, whatever it is, you should clean up this city here, because this city here is like an open sewer, you know? It's full of filth and scum. And sometimes I can hardly take it. Whatever ever becomes the president should just really clean it up. You know what I mean? Sometimes I go out and I smell it. I get headaches. It's so bad, you know? And they just like, they just never go away, you know? It's like, I think that the president should just 
clean up this whole mess here. You should just flush it right down the fucking toilet. What what I loved about that scene was uh the character of Travis Bickle gave him an out. In mm. other words, he asked that question pretty much twice, right? Yeah. And the first time he asked yeah. him, he goes, Oh, I don't know. I don't really follow politics or anything like that. Like he kind of brushed it off. And he was like, Well, you know, he kind of insisted. He was like, Well, what would be one thing? The one thing. Mm. And oh boy, what a mistake that was. He he goes on this rant, and it's quite of a descriptive rant about the state mm. of the city and what should be done. And I love the politician's face in this scene. Like even he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. like, like there's something going on with this guy. But him being a politician, once he exited the car and he made sure to shake his hand and be like, hey, I, I appreciate your support, blasey blasey, and just kind of walks away to uh, whatever business he has to attend to. Did we skip the part, uh, our first meeting with Jodie Foster? No, character? that's in the next scene. So then oh, that, that, that comes next. But yeah, yeah. this the first scene is, is him with his crazy rant to... Uh, to Palantine or whatever the hell yeah. this candidate's name is. Yeah. Yeah. So we um, get to the scene. He's 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 driving his cab as he does. And uh he's passing by a certain area. This was the Hell's Kitchen, deep Hell's Kitchen. Um, and that's exactly what it was like. <laughs> but he stops to pick up this young woman who is Jodie Foster, and she runs in the cab and she tells him, Go, go. And uh she's soon followed by what we find out is her pimp. Harvey Keitel. Which was, uh, what was his name? It was, uh, uh, Sport, yeah, Matthew Sport. Yeah, Sport. Yeah. Sport. Sport. Yeah. Sport. Matthew's his name, but he goes, she calls him Sport. Yeah. And, uh, she's trying to get away from him for whatever reason. It's never given clarification, but I mean, that's not really necessary. Yeah. Uh, she's telling him to drive, but, uh, Harvey Keitel intercedes and pulls her out the cab and, uh, throws a 20 at uh, Travis Bickle's uh, front passenger seat. Bickle kind of just stares at him and kind of looks at what's going on and sees them walking off into the distance. And as they're walking off down the, down the block, you know, you, it, it's, it was funny to watch. It's not funny, but it was weird to watch how she's still trying to get away with it from him, but then she like puts her arm around him and then she tries to get yeah. away from him again. Then she puts her... So I was like, what the fuck is going well, on? Is she trying to escape or not? <laughs> like, Cartel keeps saying, be cool, bitch. Be cool, yeah. bitch. <laughs> oh, there it is. I was, I was like, there was something I was... I was, I was totally good. Be cool, bitch. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty hilarious. So I, I know how old her character... We basically find out her character is like 12 and a half or whatever, yeah. but... Mm -hmm. How she old was, was Jodie Foster for real? Jodie Jody Foster was 14 in this movie. And for a couple scenes, she had an older sister who was 19. And there's a few scenes where they thought she wasn't old enough to, to be the body double for it. I think in the scene where she and uh, Bickle are in her apartment and she's like try, almost taking off her top. I think that mm -hmm. was her sister. You know, they, oh. uh, they they did give her a body double a couple of times. They, she had to do a psychological test to see if she was okay to handle this uh, content before they would let her accept the role too. They made her sit down with the site. It, it's really fucked up that he, that he had, he, he could have got an 18 year old that looked young and put her in this role. I mean, really you got to cast a 14 year old, you know, fuck you Scorsese. I, I, it, I did, it is really messed up. I did keep asking myself every scene that had Jodie Foster in it. And, and let me tell you, she did an excellent job portraying this character. Oh, I gotta for say, sure. for a young actress, she she was very believable as a character. Still, though, I'm like, what? How did he get away with this, Scorsese? So how how did 
How, <laughs> yeah, but still, man. It's, I know. It's, like, it's uh, you know, he was I, I, okay. I, I believe this was like the film that kind of put him on the big celebrity for sure. director map. So it's like, what did he have before this? Mean Streets, maybe another. He, he had a few other, but nothing big. He wasn't stellar at the time. I mean, and, and so like, it must, how did this fly under the radar with the studio? I, I, I feel like you guys are framing this wrong. I mean, how did he know talent? Is that what you mean? How did he know your Oscar winner? Like, I mean, to to catch talent that basketball scouts don't even catch talent that young. So I don't know, guys. I, I feel like you guys are just wording this a little bit negative i i, I think uh any day now they're gonna it's, he's eventually after this podcast comes out and it gets streamed around the world he will he will be canceled he'll, martin scorsese's career will end he will be sharing a mansion with roman polanski in yes, whatever yeah, country that fool is totally. in. Uh, yeah. Yeah, look i'm not again i'm not not again but i will say i'm not trying to put uh scorsese and his filmmaking genius down in any way it's just i, I i'm just thinking of the time and wow. yes one of the things about Hollywood is they were they seemed to be more flexible. Yeah, maybe everyone was just listen. We make jokes on this podcast about everybody back in the day being high on coke. This must have been the start of that because nobody seemed to care. And as a result, we got all these kinds of movies that would have never been passed before, you know. But hey, what do I know? Yeah, let's get back to this freaking plot uh <laughs> well, i think now this is your second date june you can get into the second date now okay uh yeah you so, totally, so you nailed it on part one mm -hmm. i think well i think part one you called it the first date but yeah. it, it is truly the first date such as in going mm -hmm. out the other one was just her break so so yeah you you nailed this on part one uh yeah I, it's one of the scenes that stood out to me especially when i was younger and i was like wow like why would you want to take somebody to a porn theater on a first date like i don't know but again we're talking about ah, when i saw it i was like does that work oh, i gotta try this <laughs> <laughs> now, we'll, now we'll say this though so the theater that they did enter um and at first you know they're, they're going into the theater and and uh uh travis bickle was buying tickets for them and she does question it like like Hey, like, what kind of theaters? It, it looked like a standard theater, except for maybe the name of the movies they're mm -hmm. playing. The thing that says XXX, like, yeah. that's probably the... Okay, gotcha. But, 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 but <laughs> I know I'm trying to defend the look of this theater. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just that, I, I, again, uh, most of these theaters who showed these kind of films looked pretty scuzzy. They looked pretty... And this one theater, I was like, I don't remember any porn theaters looking that nice outside. But I digress, as usual. Let's carry on. It was a premiere. So, you it know. Does, it doesn't, June's recollection of all his porn theaters is like, this is not like anyone. No, been not anyone's I used to go to. <laughs> damn it. Um, <laughs> okay. I have to clarify, listeners. I was too young to go to porn theaters. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I saw them from the outside, though. But I never went in. Not until later. Uh, yeah, so she does agree to go in. I don't know why, but she does agree to go. She gave him the benefit of the doubt. And no sooner do they sit down. And what the hell movie were they watching? Some kind of orgy. It was, it was just but like it, bodies just piled up all on top of each other. But it was like other. a documentary. Because yeah, they were showing yeah. like, like, like. It was a, it was a Swedish documentary. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was dying. It was so, I was, yeah, they, I was dying oh, laughing. Um, 
Yeah. Sperm, sperm soda. <laughs> and, and, and as Scott said, there's like an orgy going on, but there's some narration going over it that's like yeah. scientific. I mean, you could have pulled out as an art house movie in the 70s. That's what Bickle should have been like. No, this is a fancy yeah. art movie. You don't understand. It's, it's all the rage Swedish. in France. Yeah, you don't, you don't know what they're saying. <laughs> but, um, well, she, she lasts all of two minutes. You know, she just like, she gets so highly offended, justifiably so. And she walks the hell out and he goes after her. And again, another strong indicator of the mindset of this character where he just mm -hmm. doesn't understand why she would walk out. And he's like, I didn't know. I didn't know. He really didn't see anything wrong with it. You know, she leaves him. She calls a cab and and not calls a cab, but she stops a cab and she leaves. And he's he's like smart. bewildered. The yeah, only smart, smart thing she did in the whole thing, in the Pretty whole movie. Much. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it was at this moment, though, this this was the turning point for him because it's really downhill from here for this character. This put him in that mindset of total despair, total whatever he was already going through. And after that, it's just he goes full blown fucking loco. He starts plotting to assassinate this politician all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, first, he, you know, he tries to get her back, right? He keeps calling her. Yes. She actually picks up ah, the yes, phone yes. one time and and basically just, just blows him off. And then after that, she never yeah. picks up the phone. But, he, you know, he says he's sending her flowers. I, I found it weird. Like, he says he's sending her flowers, but all the flowers are in his apartment. So are they getting returned to back to him or is he just sending them to his own place? I mean, I, I don't That's a good question. understand that. That's a good And it's something I actually never noticed before upon my first watching of this is that all these flowers were in his apartment. So, yeah, that's a good question. Um, is it just him, you know, going full plum crazy or did he really send flowers and they just returned them? But, uh, yeah, he tries. He, he calls her um, and he this leads to a confrontation. He goes to her place of business yeah. where she works and he confronts her. Um, this also leads to one little golden scene that I love. You know, he gets pretty angry and he's like, you know, like questioning her. Why won't you return? Blah, 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 blah. Everyone's trying to get him out. Albert Brooks uh, manages to lead him out. But right at the doorway, he's like, get your hands off me. And he goes into this like martial arts pose, mm -hmm. which I, it just had me screaming, dying. I was like, oh, my God, Bobby De Niro doing some martial arts. That would have He been plays a great role. psycho. I mean, he does it well. He does. He's already, you know, he's starting to look different too. Like his haircut yes. is different now. You know, before it was kind of styled. Now it's like, cut a little shorter he mm -hmm. seems a little more disheveled he doesn't uh yeah he, he even seems more pale to me you know even maybe even skinnier you know like it like he's he's really shifting his uh his whole personality and body yeah this is very true um his physical appearance his demeanor it's it's just changing he's transforming before our very eyes basically now does this follow is this followed up by the scene where he actually uh, earlier in the film um, we see uh, a scene of him basically uh, vibing with the other cab drivers in a cafe. Yeah. And there's at night and not really vibing because he's still being Travis Bickle. He's still he doesn't weird. Talk. He's still yeah, weird. He's kind of standoffish with them. Yeah. But yeah. And, yeah. But one of them, you know, they ask, I guess it's small talk and ask him how it's going for him. And he's kind of talking about all the shit he sees or how bad it is out there. And so one of these other cab drivers offers to hook him up. He said, yo, if you need a piece. To protect yeah. yourself. Of course, um, this becomes a factor later. I think, are we at this point where he actually... Yeah, about the time where he goes and gets starts getting guns. Yeah. 
Yeah, and <laughs> another that favorite actor, scene of uh, mine. Peter Boyle, the, the father from uh, from Ray. Everybody loves Raymond. Oh yes, yes, and, and Scott <laughs> was absolutely right. He called it. He 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 was like, I remember Peter Boyle being in this, and he was. I forgot. Yeah. I totally forgot. Well, you know what happens before he gets the guns is the Martin Scorsese scene because Martin Scorsese talks about ah, using a forty-four yes, Magnum, yes, yes, yes. and that's I think where he gets the idea from this. So yeah, he picks up Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese has him drive him to a corner. He's like, just park, you know, pull over and park. So Bickle puts down, you know, the fair, the the fair thing, whatever, to, to get paid. And the guy's like, no, 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 keep keep the fair going, uh, keep the meter going. I, I I want you to look at this window. So mm-hmm. Bickle, Bickle looks up. He's like, no, the window at the end. You know, you see that you see the woman in the silhouette there. That's my wife, and she's <laughs> she's basically in somebody else's apartment. And then he goes on a, a, a diatribe about how he's going to shoot her with a forty-four Magnum. He, he's like, yeah, have you seen what it does to would it do to a woman's face? Well, how about to a woman's pussy? He says next. Do you, do you see the woman in the window? Yeah. You see the woman? I want you to see that woman because that's my wife. But that's not my apartment. It's not my apartment. You know who lives there? Huh? No, I mean, you wouldn't know who lives there. I'm just saying. But you know who lives there? Huh? A nigga lives there. They're like that. And I'm go- I'm gonna kill him. There's <laughs> nothing else. I just I'm gonna kill him. What do you think of that? Hmm? I said, what do you think of that? Don't answer. That like, was crazy. Jesus. Christ, what is what what is going on with you, Martin Scorsese, that you chose to do that? Now, I'll tell you why I did a little research um, uh, before watching this movie. The reason he did do that scene, he played, he acted that scene. Look, because the person he had originally did either didn't show up or didn't want Ill. to do it. I think yeah. the guy fell ill right before shooting. Oh. But you know what? Get somebody else, Martin. Yes. Why, why, why would you? Yes. <laughs> He could have paid somebody off the street, man, like 25 bucks at that time and they would have done it. And and it's so it's really weird. And, hey, listen, to his credit, he did a pretty good acting job in that scene. Um, but he I, was, you know, he was pretty deranged. I guess it's a necessary scene for the fact that it puts a gun into Bickle's brain and idea of getting a gun. But you didn't really need the scene. I mean, what what is the scene really doing in in general? I, I I could see like on set and him and Bobby De Niro like bullshitting and and Martin's because like they made a bet with each other. So they, I could out crazy you any day, bro. You want to see it? And he just put himself in that scene just to prove that he could out crazy Bobby De Niro. I mean, I'm sure the editor was like, "Wow, well, you sure you don't want to just edit this out, Marty? I mean, we just we need to take that out. I mean, we don't we don't need this scene. We can do this movie without. No, no, keep it in, keep it in." This is great. This is good oh, stuff. Man. Oh man. Uh yeah. So that that was a very disturbing scene. Um, where do we go from here? Yeah, this puts the thought into his head of, yeah, I do want to purchase a gun. Yeah. Or two or three. Because uh yeah, his fellow cabbie hooks him up and uh this guy, this dealer takes him to this apartment. Yeah, this man has everything, man. <laughs> this man has every type of gun. He was very descriptive. 
he was like, I just, I, he was a hell of a salesman too. I got to say, he just like, oh, I got just a thing for you. Or yeah, you know, you only use this under these kind of circumstances. You might want this. And uh, Travis Bickle ends up buying the whole lot. It, it was like six guns or something, man. And no. the guy, I think, even threw in a holster. You got a 44 Magnum? It's an expensive weapon. That's all right, I got money. It's a real monster. Stop at a car at 100 yards, put around right through the engine block. How much for everything? Uh, all together. Well, only a jackass would carry that cannon in the streets like that. Here. Here's a beautiful handmade holster I had made in Mexico. $40. 350 for the Magnum, 250 for the 38, one and a quarter for the 25, 150 for the 380. You take this, and wait here, I'll walk down with you. How about dope? Grass, ash, coke, mescaline, downers, nebutol, tonal, chloral hydrates. How about uh, uppers, amphetamines? No, I'm not interested in that stuff. Crystal meth, I can get you crystal meth. Nitrous oxide. How about that? How about a Cadillac? I get your brand new Cadillac with the pink slip for two grand. You want a Cadillac? Two thousand dollars. Cadillac. I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, like. Yeah. I mean, come on, the guy is like, "I'll buy everything." I mean, okay, I'll sell you everything I got. Then uh, he sure tried to, man. Um, that was really funny. But um, where do we go from here? So this is when he starts working out too. Like he's he's like, uh, uh, yes. I do you know a hundred push-ups. I do a hundred pull-ups. I do a hundred uh, sit-ups. Whatever. He's like working yeah. his body out, and then he's starting to arrange his guns like how he's going to put it on his body you know he makes <laughs> he makes that weird ass contraption on his arm so the gun will come out of his sleeve you know Dude, i'd so want data's take on this scene i like to think of data <laughs> watching this scene when he's making that contraption for the gun in his sleeve and data must have been like what the fuck am i watching man please data hit me with your thoughts on this. oh no you're absolutely fucking correct i was like oh this fucking engineer like what the fuck did this come from? <laughs> like it's, he used like a window to like what the fuck? Like I definitely was stuck on that scene. <laughs> I, I, I told Kim I was like Kim, I don't know what we're watching right now. Like I, I I thought he was making a bomb, and then when I realized what he was doing, I was just like, what the fuck did we just watch? <laughs> like, wow, very very DIY yeah. man. He he tore down a, some kind of cabinet or dresser, took the railing off the side. And build this kind of contraption where he could like click a button and the gun pops out of his sleeve. Ah. That was yeah. funny as fuck. Oh, that was cool. I wanted that gun. I mean, come oh, on. everybody did, bro. And I'm sure there were many maniacs out there that were <laughs> trying to, to do build it. that same blew their arm off. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? Anywho, yes. At this point, he's full on determined uh, to assassinate this politician. Yeah. Uh, the reason being just because basically Sybil Shepherd's character denied him anything. And, yeah. so and by the way, Robert Hinckley Jr. used this movie as as part of a motivation for him to shoot Reagan a, a few years later, you know, four years later. Oh, yeah. yeah. He he said that this movie yeah. kind of inspired him to shoot Ronald Reagan. So, I, I think so good I job. <laughs> Thank you, Scorsese. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we showed him how to do it. Yeah. He made yeah. it so realistic. Uh, Psychopaths like, oh, OK, this this works. <laughs> Dana, you want to take over from here? We're almost at the at the finale, basically. We're like more than halfway through the movie. Yeah, I, I think the pacing gets really, really different on this part. Um, mm -hmm. because you're right. He he's he's more deranged. He's he's 
you know, he's talking about his 50 pull-ups, 50 push-ups, no toxins in his body, just to sit and train himself. So he, every muscle has to be tight, I think is, is what he said as he's just starting to practice with his firearms. Um, so in his mind, he has all these things ready where he's going to basically assassinate Palatine, that, that politician. Um, he has the weird interaction where he sees a guy who mm -hmm. he at first assumes is Secret Service, but basically knows is Secret Service, mm -hmm. has a, a crazy dialogue with them. I mean, I'm sure the guy was like, this nutty bastard, what's going on? And that's essentially what happens. He, he has this dialogue of just like, hey, what's the signal to let you know there's trouble or you know, what's the deal? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, if you, you know, if you want to ever be into this, uh, yeah, let me get your name and your address. <laughs> so stupid, he, he gives it to him. <laughs> yeah. He was at least smart enough to give a fake name and, you know, uh, obviously a fake address. Now, now fake this code. thing, yeah. thing kind of <laughs> bothers me, too, because throughout most of the movie, he's wearing his uh, Marines jacket, which has his name on the back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> T. Bickle. It has it right on the back. So he's giving this guy a fake name and address. And of course, he knows it's fake. He's basically just putting him on a watch because he's like, yeah. there's something wrong with this guy. I better put him yeah. on the list of things to look out for. And he was damn right. But yeah, please go ahead, Dana. Continue. Yeah, that's a good agent. Yeah. Like you said, he flags down one of his partners to at least try to take a picture of him because, mm -hmm. you know, this is this is a guy who's highly sus, as the kids would say. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it kind of speeds uh, a little bit forward where he's he's uh, he's driving around and uh, a couple times he's seeing Jodie Foster's character. Um, the one time he's literally just following her. Um, and he give, he eventually gets to a point at a separate scene where he uh, basically just goes up to her and starts talking to her and she thinks it's a proposition. She tells him how it works and um, that's where we meet uh, the coolest character of them all, uh, <laughs> hip style Harvey Keitel, in which I really thought that uh, I thought he was wearing the fedora with the hair like so i didn't think that was his actual hair um <laughs> no that that's how hair, crazy man. he looked to me <laughs> but uh what what a great character <laughs> a, i i believe he was a pimp he was so smart <laughs> right after that he was just like he, he was just like calling him out he's like hey cop he's like what do you call me <laughs> you know so he, he's basically just trying not to be quote unquote entrapped he, he does a good job of just trying to mention that hey man you know don't get me entrapped here and you know if you're a cop you know I, i'm just need to be careful assuming that that's what travis bickle is because travis bickle is once again he he's a weird he, he's a weird at, at socializing so even as he's come to the scene this guy doesn't once think that he's a john he just thinks that hey you know this guy's off you know he, he explains the rules of just hey if you want to be with that girl here's the rate, here's what you want to do, X, Y, and Z. And just like any good citizen, he's trying to pay the pimp in bright daylight. You know, he might as well just ask for a receipt with his name and license because, yeah. I mean, he literally is just, you know, like, here you go, man. Like, yeah. Well, he so also cares so little work? about his girl that he's going to like, yeah, this guy seems off, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you get to go up there with her. Fifteen dollars for fifteen minutes. You know, twenty five dollars for half an hour. Yeah, yeah, just just go. So yeah, he doesn't he doesn't care about her that much. No, he doesn't. Yeah. No. So so yeah, he he basically goes and uh, takes Jody Foster to uh, uh, well, Jody Foster basically takes him to to the right house and has to go to his area where there's a doorman who 
like, hey, door, it's man. ten dollars. Like yeah, we'll, we might, we'll call him a we'll call him a landlord. Um, <laughs> but ten dollars for the room that they're going to need for uh, for for their acts of pleasure, as we'll say. Wow, um, pays his ten dollars, possibly his fifteen dollars <laughs> for fifteen minutes. And this is where I definitely got uncomfortable. Oh, um, absolutely. Oh, Most yeah. uncomfortable yeah, yeah. scene so, in the entire movie. And that's saying yeah. a lot for this movie. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Very true. I mean, you know, now he is trying to speak to this girl of, hey, we're out of sight, out of mind. I'm paying for your time. And she's like, yeah, you're paying for my time. Uh, just really thinking like, hey, we're, we're going to do some sex work. And by the time the cigarette's out, your time's up. So, you know, you better make this fast. And a young Jodie Foster just rubbing up on this guy who clearly is a bit older than her, uh, going to his belt buckle. I think that's why I almost just fainted. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. What is going on? Really, Um, really, they should have just stopped the set and arrested Scorsese and took him off. Like right right when this they were filming (laughs) the scene, like you know, it's time. Let's just take him to jail. Oh man, wild, wild. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, Travis Pickle in his mind, he, he's he's trying to save somebody, you know, he's trying mm-hmm. to, you know, say, hey, uh, I remembered you from before. You're trying to get away from that guy. Um, that's where we kind of go over Matthew and sport and kind of just the name mm-hmm. of what's going on. Um, she says her name is easy at first because it's just easy <laughs> to remember and for what her work is. Also easy, we imagine. Mm-hmm. But she eventually confides with him and uh you know, realizes what he's saying because he he's just really just trying to take away from his life, just thinking like, man, you're just too young, like you know, like twelve and a half, like what is going on? You should you should not be in this life, um, and, and really trying to get her recollection of just when he first met her. Um, to her, she'd made up an excuse of like, oh, stoned. Um, you know, he's trying to protect him from myself. I, I just make these bad decisions, but it's it, it really humanizes of just like what the fuck is going on you're yeah. 12 years old what what life decisions can you make at like 12 years old mm-hmm. um so uh so yeah i mean uh for the most part he eventually does get through to her um and they decide to meet up uh at a later time but uh it, it's that that scene yeah. alone for sure this, this i don't know if he scene. gets through to her i think she's still like what is, what is this guy's deal you know i'm just, i do this she's she told him like oh i could leave anytime i want you know i don't you know he's not they're not holding me oh, here yeah. and she does she's not really buying but he he insists on her uh going seeing each other again she's like okay we can have breakfast tomorrow yeah what we did miss before this all this happened was um we missed a scene at the store at the convenience store where uh, he yeah. kills oh, a guy yes. the it's first a time we in. see uh travis yeah. bickle in action so to speak yeah he uh, there's a guy yeah. robbing a convenience store and uh doesn't see bickle in the back of the store and bickle just walks up and just shoots him in the head now, now that wasn't the most disturbing part of the scene, man. Not at all, dude. Oh, you it's mean with the store owner afterwards? Yes. Hitting, hitting the guy with the stick? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Travis Bickle sees this robbery in progress and, and he shoots the guy, right? And the guy's down. The store owner or worker or whatever he was comes out from behind the counter and, and, and Bickle tells him, like, I don't know what to do. I don't got a permit for this gun. Like, like... And the the guy tells him like, no, no, don't worry, I got this. Go, go, but, get out of here, get out of here, go, get out of here, go. Don't worry, I got it. And he starts beating the shit out of this guy who just got. Mind you, okay, I get it. He just tried to rob you, but damn, he the guy was dying in front of him, like he was literally mm-hmm. dying if he wasn't dead already. And he, I don't know, he just took a stick or something. And he just starts beating the living crap out of him. 
And I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I don't remember. Spend him up to Jesus, man. That. What do you what do you want him to do? You know? Oh, wow. It, a fast track to Jesus, bro. It was like, ooh, that was a very intense scene to me, at least. Was that scene before he goes out to assassinate the president or it was yes. uh, yeah yeah that, that's okay, before okay, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's even before he uh meets jody foster for that whole hotel scene that mm-hmm. that happened right before that yeah. okay because yeah that's uh, you're, you're right I, I just remember just it seemed like he had a, a bit of courage when he went to go out to uh his assassination attempt but i think i believe that's the next scene that. i think the next yeah. scene maybe is the breakfast scene where they where they meet at breakfast yeah. and long scene about him same thing you know he's just trying to convince her that you know this she needs to get away from this lifestyle and you know why are you doing this and being his normal weird creepy self you know being a bit over the top and uh being but, an arc yeah that's what she yeah. calls yeah. a big thing uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah why do you want me to go back to my parents i mean they hate me why do you think i split in the first place there ain't nothing there yeah but you can't live like this it's a hell Girls should live at home. Didn't you ever hear of women's lib? What do you mean, women's lib? You sure a young girl. You should be at home now. You should be dressed up. You should be going out with boys. You should be going to school. You know, that kind of stuff. God, are you square? Hey, I'm not square. You're the one that's square. You're full of shit, man. What are you talking about? You, you walk out with those fucking creeps and lowlifes and degenerates out on the street and you sell your... Sell your little pussy for nothing, man. For some low-life pimp. Stands in a hall. I'm the I'm square. You're the one that's square, man. I don't go screw and fuck with a bunch of killers and junkies the way you do. You call that being hip? What world are you from? Did you guys see what the fuck she was making for breakfast, by the way? With all the sugar on her. Oh my yeah, god. She was like know. having a piece of toast with jelly and she just kept pouring the sugar or coffee creamer all over it. I was it was like, insane. What? I was like, what's going and on there? So she for for this film, they let her fall around an actual prostitute, an actual teenage prostitute. And that's yeah. what the prostitute yeah. liked to do. They they went well, to breakfast together and and by the way that same teenage prostitute is the girl that's walking with her on the street when she meets Bickle the first time. Shut the fuck up. Are that, you that serious? Is, that's the same the same girl that that uh, that an actual prostitute that Jodie Foster followed around. So yeah, and they, Scorsese they, they, they didn't the pay her old... enough to be in the film, and after the film, she still continued to be a prostitute. <laughs> Most likely, yeah. I, I just but, want to make it clear to to all our listeners to YouTube. And to all, everybody who carries our podcast, I did not know any of this. Okay? I am not into... This I do is, not condone this Martin's crazy shit. This gets The more we get into it's this wild. film, and as well as the behind the scenes, I'm like, what the fuck? What the actual fuck? Oh, God. Let's just continue. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Oh, talk <laughs> Holy about shit. A, talk about a gym. Um, ah. So, yeah. No, um eating breakfast and uh you know he's still doing the rap like like scott was saying about just you know you're you're supposed to be in school like you know where's you know where's your family and like all these different things uh jody foster even gives like a smart ass remark of just like i mean come on have you ever heard of like woman's lib and it's just like you're not even a woman that's all i kept thinking you know you you are a girl in, in all intents and purposes and uh 
Uh, but but yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're having their conversation, like Scott said. It's like whether it got there or not, more likely not. Um, you know, it's just it's just something to kind of open her up and just try to humanize her, at least in Bickle's mind. You know, it seems like he's just really trying to find humanity, which is weird because it's like he spent the first bit of this movie of just being such this social outcast. Now all of a sudden he just has this heart of gold and he's just trying to correct or wrong that he thinks that he sees so so yeah definitely a, a, a weird breakfast scene is this the part where he kind of just even mentions about just talking to her with her more um I, I know they had a whole part about mm. going to like a vermont commune and if she would come with <laughs> yeah. yeah he said he would give her money i mean he would this is i think this was part of one of the first scenes where he just started just dulling out money and yeah. it was just like he's like you don't what? need to do this life anymore I, i'll give you yeah. money you know you need to get away from this and it basically just seems it's just it's where we see you know she i think she is kind of getting won over a little bit by him i th- and, I got the insinuation that yeah like th- there was a part of her that wanted to believe what he mm-hmm. was saying you know there were little incidents and again this is why i say uh especially for such at such a young age jody foster was quite good in this role a, mm-hmm. a little too good now that we yeah. know all this information yeah. that was a good scene but yeah. but but yeah, this scene really sold it to me as far as her character because it's like I could tell, you know, she wanted to believe it. She didn't believe it, I think, but she wanted to. There was a side of her that was like, well, maybe this guy can, you know, do what he says. But uh, yeah, let's continue. Let's, let's yeah. Continue. Well, I think after this is when he goes back to his apartment and he, uh, you know, he <laughs> writes a letter to her and puts a bunch of money in there. And basically saying, you know, after today, you're never going to see me again, but, you know, you'll know why, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he 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 goes to the presidential rally. Now he he shows up at the rally. You get to see Sybil Shepherd again and all of them and the president there. And he has shaved. He has the mohawk now. He has shaved <laughs> his head and only has the mohawk now. And he is standing yeah. out in the crowd for sure. He's in the back of the crowd and he's, uh, yeah, he stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah, sure he's gonna he's gonna do it. He's gonna kill the presidential candidate, and makes his way through the crowd to, as the president's trying to leave. And right away, Secret Service sees him, oh, yeah. and he he's got to run. He he knows they see him, and he's got to get the hell out of there. You know, they yeah. they chase him, but they don't catch him. But yeah, he, the, the 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 one agent who's chasing him trips or bumps into someone uh-huh. else, and he yeah. does manage to run off and get away. So. Oh yeah. guys, you we we totally forgot a scene mm. that we were supposed Uh-oh. to go through. Yeah, it, it's uh during part of his derangement as he's working with his guns, oh my god, the, the famous super part. famous <laughs> scene. Oh, <laughs> how can like, we oh, forget? Man. Oh, yes. we're not doing our jobs here, man. This is yeah, the most definitely are not, well-known scene. But yes. it still was a, a, a it's it's such a good it's such a good random scene. And I I feel like June as the New Yorker, like it feels like such a fucking New York thing to say. <laughs> like, you talking to me? You talking to yes. me? I don't see nobody else here. <laughs> you must be uh, talking to me. De Niro yeah. ad-libbed the entire thing. I could All, tell. The, I the, the scene, the direction, the scene Question. was only like, uh, Bickle looks into a mirror. And, and then he, everything after that, he ad-libbed everything in that. I believe it. I believe it. it, it it's Trust it's a testament yeah. to, to De Niro as an actor. To, this was a total De Niro moment. And yeah. as when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, he made this shit up on the spot. I, I can't imagine Scorsese or anyone directing him and telling him to say these things. And you're right, Dana. It, it was 
you're on point. The accent, incredible to New York. It was too new, like it was a almost like a satire of New right. Yorkers <laughs> scene, but well played by De Niro. Of course, it's a, there's a reason why it's a classic scene. Be before we go, yeah. on, doing this podcast, man, right? There are films, you know, you run the gamut of emotions with certain movies. This movie wore me the fuck out, man. Mm -hmm. I am exhausted <laughs> after this. I'm, I'm totally, I am, I'm like a wet mop. After this movie, that's the kind of shit this movie does to you. Let's go on. Let's get through this. Well, I I guess this is where he uh, he goes to uh, confront Harvey sure. Keitel. Go yes, go save Jodie Foster. Yeah, yeah. yeah he uh, he shows up and uh, Keitel is still on it, same stoop he was earlier. Uh, this time with a bandana on his head instead of the, <laughs> the, the fly hat. So the wardrobe does not get any better, folks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he uh, he still looks cool as hell, and yeah. uh, Bickle comes up to him, and he doesn't recognize Bickle. You know he, you know he he can tell he seems familiar. To you. He's like, "Do I know you?" And he's like, "No, do you know me?" And then the, mm. you know, Bickle's just acting his normal weird ass self, and you know, he, Car Cartel's telling him, "Get the fuck out of here! Get away from here! Get out of here!" How's Iris? You know Iris? No, you know I don't Iris. know nobody named Iris. Iris, come on, get out of here, man. You don't know anybody by the name of Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. No? Hey, get back to your fucking tribe before you get hurt, huh, man? Do me a favor. I don't want no trouble, huh? Okay? You got a gun? Get the fuck out of here, man. Get out of here. Suck on this. The slowest reaction by Cartel ever. Yeah, I mean, he pulls out a gun to Harvey Keitel, and Harvey Keitel is just standing there like, huh? And then, and then he What's shoots that? him in the belly. Yeah, <laughs> just shoots him in the belly, and then he like falls down. And Bickle just kind of like just stumbles around, kind of walks around, sits down on the stoop for a second, and then goes up into uh, the hotel. It, uh, it felt to me like Kaitel wanted to milk that scene for what it's worth, and yeah. like Scorsese <laughs> said, "Cut," and he just kept going, trying to stretching that shit out like i'm gonna get the most out of this moment <laughs> um yeah and from there he he goes and he sits a couple of stoops away in front of a building but eventually enters um and this is the same building that he had uh visited with uh jodie foster's character early mm -hmm. in the movie and of course as as of course i gotta go as dana put it the doorman which i love the doorman comes yours yeah, yeah, yeah the hook of concierge can take a bullet because i swear that guy got shot a million times and keeps on coming what was this guy on everybody everybody in this movie gets shot a million times and it keeps on going what, what? It, actually it did little things like that do take you out of the movie for that moment because it's like yeah. is this guy like you should be dead yeah he shoots this guy well first he shoots him and he shoots his fingers off right blows his fucking hand off basically <laughs> yeah the 44 <laughs> magnum yeah yeah with the, with oh, the, God. he's like you get the 44 man and he's just boom and blew like a good two three fingers off i think and yeah. uh did he shoot him again right he at least shot at him again the guy yeah. keeps on saying, you know, yelling at him. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Up the stairs. Yeah. Well, I'm before gonna that, Harvey Keitel comes back. He gets shot. I guess you're right. Pickle gets shot in the carotid artery, right? He gets shot in yeah. his neck. He, he's not, no, he's not bleeding out. He's uh, he's just sitting there bleeding from his neck. He shouldn't be dead automatically. Barely and, flinched. 
Yeah, Barely. he turns around and then he guns down Car- Car- Cartel, uh, Harvey Cartel, and then he, uh, yeah, and then he's going up the stairs. And the and the concierge, the pimp concierge, is is following him up the stairs to Jodie Foster's thing. So he's still shooting at this guy, and then out of the room, the the John that was with Jodie Foster mm-hmm. comes out, shoots Bickle point blank, point blank, right in his side. And then he turns around, Bickle turns around, shoots this guy in the face. This guy at least goes down and dies. Like, yeah, he right goes away. quick. The yeah. only person who goes quick. Old man still chasing the, the, <laughs> the concierge pimp. <laughs> I can kill you. I can kill you. Yeah, tackles him and they go flying into Jodie Foster's apartment and the guy is still on oh him. Oh my God. Finally, I think uh, he, does he shoot him with stab wounds? No, he shoots him in the head. I think well, he stabs him. He stabs him. And then makes the gun from the guy from the John and yes. then shoots him. In the yeah, he yes. stabbed him in the hand. So the knife goes right through his hand. And uh, yeah. yeah, then he shoots him in the head, and finally he's done. Uh, unfortunately for Travis, his plan is to blow blow his own brains out, and he nope. has no bullets left. He's used no all bullets. his bullets. Yeah. Now, what I love about this scene, while he was still struggling with this man who just refused to die, right? The man takes uh, his fingers being blown off. The man gets shot. So it it wasn't until Bickle stabbed him in the hand that he cried out in pain. Yeah, I was like, it took a stab in the hand to make you cry, to make you feel something. Like, are you kidding me? Now is when you're hurt. Like, ah, I'm like, what the hell, you're doing? You think? Like, anyway, let's let's continue. Yeah, so uh, this is the climax of the movie, I guess. Um, where kinda, kinda. Yeah, you're right because by all rights, you would think the movie would end here. I, you want to know something funny, June? I think I thought the movie ended here. I'm pretty sure when I was watching this, the only time I've ever seen a video, I probably stopped it right after the scene because I assumed Bob De Niro died on the couch. That was and a that's good the call. end of the movie. <laughs> and I, I did not, I didn't, I today was the first time I've seen the actual end of the film. I, I do not oh, remember any scenes hilarious. after that. Okay, so, so <laughs> let's, awesome. let's, let's go through this ending because this ending has proven to be somewhat controversial in what it depicts. I, a lot of people take it as it's his last dying thoughts that's not what really happened and that's what i choose to do that's what i choose to believe because otherwise to me it makes no fucking sense obviously yes um but yeah let's let's finish this thing off um unlike that man who wouldn't die this is gonna (laughs) this this plot synopsis is gonna die um yeah so we 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 see uh travis bickle like as scott said earlier he tries to kill himself, but there are no bullets in the gun. Jodie Foster's character is in the corner freaking out, obviously, as anybody else would. Why she didn't run out after he tried to kill himself and had no more bullets, I don't know why, but whatever. she's 12. Yeah, <laughs> she's... you know what? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for snapping me back into reality. Um, I'd be, listen, I'd be right there shitting pants, not moving <laughs> myself. So I, I'm talking out of my ass right now. Um and uh, the last shot we get of, well, not the last shot, but the last shot in that scene is uh, the cops arrive and uh, Travis Bickle's on the sofa because after he couldn't manage to kill himself, he decides to rest. <laughs> and now is when he feels all the freaking wounds that have been inflicted in him within yeah. the last five to ten minutes. Um, and uh, the cop is pointing his gun at him and tra- uh, Bickle motions uh, with his finger that he's just click click against his head just just and uh, we get a fade out we get a, a top view 
of the room, all the carnage left behind, and Travis Bickle basically looking up to the ceiling. And we think he's dying. We think yeah. he's dead. Um, the next and then scene, young Scott uh, hit stop and rewind on my my videotape, so I wouldn't get a get a fine for re not rewinding my videotape. Young yeah. Scott was a smart young man yeah. for stopping at this scene. I must say, um, yeah. So the next scene is uh, we get a slow dissolve, as they used to do so much back in the day. Those slow dissolve from one scene to another, which I still love. Uh, but um, we get a pan of a uh, Bickle's apartment, right? It's going across the walls and you're seeing newspaper clippings of reporting on the incident. Um, not only on the incident, but the supposed aftermath where I guess Bickle supposedly was in a coma and we see a letter hung up, which is a letter from Jodie Foster's character's parents thanking him for what he's done. And I guess Jodie Foster's character decided to take him up on his offer, get them, you know, he left that money for her and she went back to her parents and they're eternally grateful. The only thing I'm mad at about that letter, it states, they say that they live in Philadelphia and they said they can't afford to personally come to New York and thank him. Doesn't cost that much to go to from Philadelphia. Mm. It's the cheapest thing on earth. It's not that far. Anyway, that's me nitpicking. Um, and the next scene after that is Travis Bickle hanging out with his fellow cabbies at night. He's got a new nickname, too. Yes. Uh, what was it? Killer. He, <laughs> yeah. he's called, his nickname is Killer. Yeah. Wow. So uh, Peter Boyle's character informs, hey, you got a fare. Somebody got in your cab. And he goes, and who is it but Sybil Shepherd?" Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a little bit of conversation and she says, oh, I read about what happened to you, whatever. And uh, he's very humble about it. He's like, well, she asked him, are you okay? I guess physically, because he, you know, he got a lot of damage during that whole altercation and he was in a coma on top of that. So he was like, oh, nothing. It's nothing. I'm, I'm just a little stiff sometimes, but I'm all right. And he drops her off at her wherever she needed to go. And she asks him, she goes to his window and she looks at him in a weird way. I don't know if it was longing or or uh, what is supposed to be, but uh, and, and before he drops her off, he he keeps looking at her in his rearview mirror and seeing her. And they put this kind of like a, and this is why I say this was fantasy, because there's a look on her face where uh, it just didn't seem real. It did it didn't seem. That and another incident that's coming up. So he drops her off. She's like, how much? And he's just like, I, what did he actually say? I never he didn't hear say what anything. He, I don't think he did. Yeah, he, he basically that? just didn't accept her fare. But yeah, yeah he, just, that's really... it. he just drove okay. off. He just and he just drives out. off with like, a smile like, on his uh, face. You missed out on this. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, that's what I got from him. Yeah. Like he's uh -huh. on the man. Uh, you see what you missed out on? And he rolls away with a big smile on his face. But as he's driving away, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, he's looking in his, all throughout the movie, he's always looking through his rearview mirror at certain mm -hmm. instances something captures his attention like like he there's a small like and he looks at his mirror mirror like with a almost a surprised or confused look on his face they don't indicate what it is it's a brief second and he rides off into the distance and the movie ends all right let's go i didn't pick up <laughs> on that yeah but so to to your thought i, it, I 
I would like to hope that that's like a fever dream and that he actually died in that room. Yes. But I don't think so for the fact that they they were going to make a sequel to this movie. Oh, shit, as of no. even a few How? years ago, they would they would they started talking about it about ten years ago that uh, they Scorsese and De Niro wanted to make Taxi Driver two. Um, Paul Schrader, who wrote this film wrote a wrote a copy of it and they they weren't happy with the script so they they, oh. they nixed it but that was like 2020 they nixed it you know it was just a few years ago wow, they were still talking recent. about doing a sequel to this movie so <laughs> no, out of just morbid curiosity oh, i would love to see bobby De yeah i think, we, with his I, I think we should try to think of what what would be the good plot for for taxi driver 2 like you know how, how would it ha- what, what what would be the plot of this movie how would they pull this off <laughs> Jodie Foster still hooking in the corner wearing the same exactly <laughs> a 50 something year old Jodie Foster yeah a 60 yeah. year old Jodie Foster still on the streets oh man oh man all right guys um man did should we just go to how good was it or, or yeah that's... I'm exhausted man I can't even think straight yeah I guess there's probably a few other things I guess Dustin Hoffman was offered this role and he turned it oh, down I cannot Mel- see him in a role like Melanie that. Griffith was supposed to be the role was supposed to be Iris and she also ended up turning it down wow uh, so wow. yeah that's uh I think that's that's probably about it you know it's other than you know <laughs> then De Niro staying character for the whole thing the psychopath well, that he is that's that's part of his modus operandi yeah. <laughs> you know he, he's wow. a method actor and Crazy. he's known for stupid shit like that but ah okay gentlemen we've reached that point how good was it man let's let's do our reviews uh as usual dana you are the star that leads it off please do so man yeah. hit us with what you've got bro wow <laughs> <laughs> and that's my review yeah oh, <laughs> that says it all that's as well. No, no, go, man. Please. It, it, it's so hard to watch these movies in different lenses. I, I mean, I, I it's it's clear to know where a lot of inspiration from films came from, and um, just just the shooting, and then just the style. Um, you know, th- this movie, it it, it was. Uh, I, I feel like it could have just been chopped up in so many ways now. Um, Mm -hmm. whether it's just talking about just a Vietnam vet or just anybody coming back for more time or whatever may be the case. Uh, Maybe just talking about mental illness, whatever you wanted to make the star. This, this really seemed like the, uh, the patient zero when it kind of comes to those type of movies. Um, It it came off as, as such a, such a, a weird thriller slash just, journal to 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 just running thoughts and and i I think that's probably where for this movie i found some appreciation because it was just so different it's really tough to judge a movie like this in in 2024 um because at at the end of the day it was weird as fuck (laughs) Um, a lot of things that we discussed um you know thinking about the ages of these individuals thinking about just how free love really was between these porn theaters and um, just, you know, how you really view the world through somebody who who just cannot socialize like the rest of us. It, it just, it really, really threw me off. But as a story, it, it, it eventually cohesively kind of came together of just uh, about <laughs> a crazy man going through crazy adventures. Um, adventures. I think the pacing... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, terminology, bro. I'm gonna put that in our letterbox. I'm gonna put that in to describe this movie. Tactic Crazy Man goes on crazy adventures. I love crazy it. Crazy Man goes, and along the way, there's a pimp concierge. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think there, there's so much that could be said about this movie, but I, I think the only thing that I really, really probably got pissed about beyond just just trying to adapt to the time and the shooting was just the fucking pacing was just so fucking weird to me. You know, we, we already talked about kind of like the score and, you know, how that was weird and how I got nominated to and the music and some of the background, but just the, the pacing just really like, I, I just didn't know how to stay excited for this movie. I, I really didn't. I mean, I, I think just, I, I found so many times where I was kind of just in la la land because I knew Travis Bickle was talking about some shit, but, you know, it was kind of take him a while to kind of get to his fucking point. <laughs> um, but, you know, but then I'd get captured back again when, it, you know, it seemed like he was trying to speed it up again. But it, it jumped around a good bit at the end of the day where you go from, hey, I'm Travis Bickle, semi-normal guy to, hey, I'm Travis Bickle. I don't know how to date women to, hey, Travis Bickle, I'm a, I am a, a prostitute hooker Avenger. Um, you know, it, 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 got, it got really weird. For, for the most part, I, I think I do, I had an appreciation for this of just uh, how it was shot and just like the subject matter, I, I think, to a degree and how it translates uh, to, you know, just being the parent movie of all of this. So how good was it? I mean, it. I, I would honestly say, which I can't believe it, because as much <laughs> as I wanted to hate this movie, I really did. Oh my God! I think you like was, this I better think, than I, I, Ed Wood. You like it better think, than I, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. The, this this was a good movie, folks. Holy oh, this, to, shit. To, to, to me, this was a good movie. I I I was I uh, give give Dana I, a child I fucking quit. He give, <laughs> give him a child prostitute. He is in. I, I mean, I, I think what we've learned is that uh, you know I'm down for a street worker, and as long as you have a heart of gold, you're not really a street worker. That was that was you're the just, deciding you're just a worker. True. Was true. Wow, Dana, I'm but, I'm but, truly yeah, I mean, surprised, I, bro. It was a weird introspection, but I I I, I appreciated the movie. I, I really did. So <laughs> I, I'd I'd actually I'd actually watch it again just to see if I could find some other pieces wow. to, to to this guy's brain. So I, I'm down. I, for hold on, I'm too. I'm. Texting the police department your address right now. Wow, Dana. I must say I did not see that coming. I I truly thought this was going to be right up there or down there with things such as Ed Wood and planes, trains, and automobiles for you. So I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised. I I like child prostitutes. Actually, edit that. Edit that. (laughs) Edit that. Well, we'll find out if I edit that. (laughs) That's going to be in the the promo for this. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's my turn. So I'm I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted with this film. I, 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 oh man, I I don't, where do you begin? Uh, This film is a classic. There's a classic film, not by my standards, just you know, it's part of pop culture. It's part of Hollywood classic films. This is considered a game changer. And I I can agree with that. The trouble I have with this film is that, and Dana mentioned this very eloquently in his review, 
there have been films since then that have tackled similar subject matter and have done it different ways. And I dare say even better, which is, which should, which is the way it should be. There should be a natural organic evolution to filmmaking. Somebody breaks new ground. And this film did break ground for its time. Uh, we went through the plot synopsis and we couldn't believe at some of the shit that Scorsese got away with in this film. I, I couldn't help but think of a particular film to, to, for a case in point. And, and you guys will probably have both probably seen this. I'm sure Scott has. You remember the film called Falling Down? Yes. Right? Michael and it's a, it's a similar movie. It's a similar premise. It's basically focusing on a person who is literally breaking down as the story progresses. We're seeing this person who is in a certain mind state for whatever reason, for whatever, because of whatever circumstances are going on in their life. In the case of Travis Bickle, we, we speculate that it's something that, you know, he was a Vietnam vet and that probably fucked him up as it did too many men who fought in that war, any war for that matter. And we see this breakdown of their psyche. Um, Dana pointed out uh, the pacing of this movie, and it, he's totally on point with that. I I understand the pacing only because I could tell, especially upon rewatching it this time, this was very intentional. Scorsese wanted you to feel how Travis Bickle, this character, is unraveling as this story progresses. It's I, I saw it very clearly for the first time. And this is a running thread. Every time we revisit a movie from the 70s in particular, and this is why I happen to love this era of movies, is because, like I said before earlier in this episode, they started taking risks. These younger filmmakers, Steven Spielberg, Scorsese, uh, many others, I'm not going to go down the list now, that started trying new things, especially with, cine with cinematography. You know, they started using shots and, and of course, technology has a big part of it. You know, cameras got better. They were able to do achieve things that they couldn't before in the fifties and sixties. And so you had Scorsese who did that to very full effect in this film. He wanted you to feel like Travis Bickle. He wanted you to see the, the world through his eyes. He wanted you to not you don't have to know why this character is the way he is or why he is deconstructing as this plot unravels but he scorsese did a hell of a job in portraying the world view of this characters it was a very unsettling viewpoint man um as i said before this character really didn't have to live the way he did there were subtle clues in there that I never noticed when I was younger watching this movie. The money thing. He made more than enough money. He, he uh, you know, we talked about his, his social awkwardness. Um, this was a lonely man on the edge of a breakdown. And like the movie I referenced, Falling Down, uh, I think it was, who was in that movie? Michael was Douglas. Michael Douglas. It's one of my favorite Michael Douglas roles, that movie, because they did such a job. That's what I was trying to say. Let me get to the fucking point. This movie has been done. This kind of movie has been done since then repeatedly and in many ways better, right? And again, that's that. That's the way it's supposed to be. It should be a natural evolution. Filmmakers 
hand off the torch to another one, to the next generation, and they take what they've learned or what they've observed and, and bring it up a notch. This movie is a movie of its time. This, this movie could not have come out in any other era. It would not work. If, it, if this was an 80s setting, it would not have worked. If it was the 90s and beyond, it would not work. Had to be New York. Had to be New York in the 70s. A very distinct and specific area of this city. And I know because I remember I was a child, but I have very vivid memories. Fuck, Scorsese did <laughs> capture 70s New York like no other director ever had. Um, how good what was this movie finally? How good was it? It's a very good movie, but but it's man, it's a hard one. It, it, people, if you've never seen this movie, this movie is a classic for a reason. I can't give it a damn good because it's a movie of its time. And there are things in this movie that do not hold up, you know, cinematography wise, uh, plot wise. It's a movie of its time. It could only have come out in the 70s. And that's why I can't give it a damn good because there are things that don't hold up for me. But it's still just that, and I, I, I could, I could give the movie this. It's even more unsettling now than it was when I watched it as a kid, because I understand it better now. I'm able to see it through a, a different lens. I'm an older guy, more experienced, and I, I have a much bigger appreciation for filmmaking now, and especially cinematography. I do video as a hobby now, and I've learned a lot. And now I killed, want to killed a lot of pimps as well. Yeah, that too. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, so how good was it? It it was very good, but but damn, hard watch, man. People, hard watch. But uh, go, Scott. Uh, again, I'm exhausted. <laughs> this movie exhausted. It's so, up, man. you know, this movie on a on an acting level, I think is amazing. I think De Niro. This may be his best work as an actor. I mean, I don't oh. think I've ever seen anybody play this descent into madness better than De Niro does in this movie. He just it, you buy it. You buy it from the get-go. This guy is a psychopath, okay. and you see it. You see it in his eyes. You see Derange. I I just think he did an amazing job. You know, he was up for best actor. He lost to Peter Finch for Network. Uh, it was actually the same year that Stallone was uh, nominated for best actor for Rocky. Oh. Uh, I'm surprised he lost this because I I mean I just I I I think maybe it's his best performance and. Um, but that's about it for this film. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. I, I, well, no, I, I, you know, I honestly, to me, the problem with this film is Scorsese, and mm -hmm. I just think he could have made this film. He didn't have to go to a lot of the places he went to in the film. And I, I know we can say, hey, it's the seventies, you know, you can you can get away with this racial stuff, or you can get away with having a twelve-year-old prostitute. You know, it's easy be better, man. You know, and, and what's a Michelle yeah. Obama? Oh no, sorry, not Michelle Obama uh, <laughs> of, of Trump. Be better because you know, it's be best, be best. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is, you know, he he just yeah. he, he didn't have to do that. You he I think a lot of this is shock value, and at that time you got noticed for doing a shirt, certain shock value, and you, you just wow. didn't have to do it. And um, I mean that's. That's it's it's unfortunate because I do think the acting is quite good in this film. Yeah, and yeah, you know, I, you know, he's the original incel. You know, Travis Bickle. Oh my was god! 
That's oh, original insult. I mean, he, he, that that is the shit. if I I never take, <laughs> I never take notes for this fucking podcast. I got I got too much shit to do, but that is the one note we just witnessed the first fucking incel. That was and my one note of this. It movie. scares me to think that maybe a lot of these people were actually motivated by this film, especially the ending of this film. That it doesn't end with him dying; it ends with him being the hero in a way. You know, he's. He's got these articles, you know, he's everyone, he's the killer now. He's got uh, articles in the newspaper, you know, her her family loves him. You know, Sybil Shepherd wants him back to these deranged people. This is like, oh my God, that's the ending that I want. So God, I, I hope this doesn't inspire people or has mm-hmm. inspired other people other than Robert Hinckley, because I could kind of see someone who's deranged being like, oh man, this is, yeah, this is what I want too. So yeah, uh, how good was it? <laughs> You know, it's hard to say it's not a good film. You know, it's a hard watch. And uh, I, I I guess I recommend people to watch it. But I man, don't. know know what you're getting into and uh, and uh, be prepared because, uh, yeah, it's, it is it is pretty bleak. Yeah, that's what yeah. I got. Bitch, be cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. A, a lot of a lot of this movie. Yeah, it, De Niro was just, he was too good to the point of being scary in this role. Mm-hmm. And he carried a lot of the weight of this film. I, I Scorsese, I think, was a young buck. He He's trying to prove himself. He wants to take the next step into becoming the filmmaker that he eventually did become. I, I think that's why he took those. I don't think it's so much shock value as he just wanted to test the arena. You know, this is probably his biggest budget film at the time. And he just was like, I'm going to go all out because maybe I don't know if I'm going to well, get another opportunity. So for Scorsese for this film, um, it got an X rating originally. Uh, yeah. Uh, probably, probably rightly <laughs> <Okay>. so. <laughs> and he was incensed about so much so the story is said that he said he was going to go to the rating office and shoot down the people in the office. See, and, then, and then it, then the story went well. He also he said that he was going to go and shoot himself in front of the people in the office. This is the legend of it. You know, this has never been verified, but this has come out that you know people have said that this is what he was telling people. Uh, he ended up shooting the the big shootout scene was was a problem with with their, they didn't care about the twelve year prostitute by the way of that, that wasn't the problem with it. It was the the graphic uh, wow. scene at the end, like where the guy's <laughs> hand gets blown off. So that hallway scene, they re- he reduced the color in the scene, so you didn't really see the blood as much. That's true, and and that's that that's that's how he got an R rated for the for the movie. Mm. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I mean, subject matter wise, I I am surprised that that's that was that's the issue. Problem. <laughs> you don't want to see violence, but uh, it doesn't okay, surprise yeah. me. Hollywood is okay. American society in general has had a long history with violence is so well I mean um, I'm not gonna get into this (laughs) tired this movie fucked me up it tired the shit out of me man I gotta say it it was not an easy watch it's a great film it's a classic for a reason Uh, if it's any if there's any one reason to watch it is for De Niro that I think Mm. we could all agree on it's a it's a fucking he gave a master class in this and and he was young we're talking about a young De Niro um 
wow it was a it was a it was a you know we, you could foresee where he was going as an actor after this man holy shit uh, but it is a hard watch uh, kudos a young jodie foster who was you know wow. she she didn't have that much screen time but the screen time she did in this movie it was a little too good to be scary. Wow. Uh, yeah. You you adding that she Very took, comfortable. She yeah. followed a process. Yes, it's uh, that explains it. But because holy shit. Yeah, I don't even want to give her credit for the great acting in the film because I'm sure she's doing well. It's just she should never been in this position. She's I, she's never hard. been in this film. It's 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 really uh, unfortunate. Yes, going back to that one scene that we pointed out, that was an incredibly uncomfortable scene to watch and through the modern lens um whew. all right uh, anything else we want to no. touch upon with taxi driver <laughs> we need we need a palate cleanser holy shit i you know i wanted to digress from the whole tim burton month i had to say and holy shit what a turn wow Let, let's let's end this thank you folks for tuning in as always thank you for your support please follow like and subscribe we actually noted before this episode sometimes we'll go into our own analytics as far as our audio podcast and uh we were pleasantly surprised to see that we gained a few new subscribers but we could always use more so please spread the word support and uh give us ratings that's something i never get to say yeah review us on itunes please yeah. that that uh uh, oh, Apple Podcast. Sorry, not iTunes. How fucking old am I? You're sounding like me. You sound just like me. Um, again, thank you for joining us, and let's say bye, guys, because I'm tired. <laughs> See ya. Be cool. Be cool. <laughs> what movie would you like us to review? Drop your suggestions by hitting us up at howgoodwasitpod at gmail.com.